Hello, this is Alan Tucson, and you're listening to the Katsu Radio Hour. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Kudzu Radio Hour. Kudzu Radio Hour number 143. This podcast was recorded Saturday, March 6, 2021. All right. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about uh, groups or artists that you should love, but you just don't. You know what I'm saying? There. <laughs> You know, some sometimes there are bands that uh, people feel like uh, they should like them, you know, because everybody else does, but maybe you don't. And we'll all have our opinions on that, all four of us, a little bit later in the program. The uh, Kudzu Radio Hour, as always, is brought to you by the fine folks at Springer Mountain Farms in Georgia, Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. Fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Uh, you know, it's all good for you. It's, it's much better for you, you know, without uh, some of the uh, chickens and animals that they raise and they you just feed them all kinds of stuff, you know, and, that, you know, that gets into it gets into the meat and everything like that. You don't want that. You want the good stuff that Springer Mountain Farms has. And also you support family farms. And that is something that's really, really, really important. Uh, supporting family farms uh, as opposed to uh, corporate farms or whatever you want to call it. Springer Mountain Farms chicken, not only is it healthier for you, it also tastes superior. You can go to springermountain.com, springermtn.com, and uh, man, yeah, you can even have it delivered to your door. I've done it before. I'm not kidding. You, you really can. The program's also brought to you by one of our favorite, favorite rock and roll bands called the Boxmasters. Based in based out in Los Angeles, uh, I got a good old Southern boy playing the drums and singing. His name is Bud Thornton, and uh, you know he also is known as Billy Bob Thornton. You know the actor, but you know uh, he's just as good. <laughs> he's a great actor and a great director and an Oscar and Golden Globe winner. But he also should be a Grammy winner because. He and J.D. Andrew write some great songs. The Boxmasters are just a great, great, great band. Very, very jingle jangle birds, uh, British Invasion sound, and absolutely wonderful songs. You can hear some of their latest on the new album, Light Rays. Highly recommend that. Just go over there and uh, you can order it on vinyl, which is really cool. Uh, vinyl, CD, or download. Uh, there's all sorts of things there. Other Boxmaster swag. It's all at www.theboxmasters.com. Theboxmasters.com. Get over there now before they sell out, man. Get you some. You can even get autograph stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's cool. Check it out. Theboxmasters.com. Issue number 41 of the Kudzu Magazine. 
41. Wow. Issue 41 is out. And there's a cover story interview with Freddie Salem of the Outlaws. Uh, we also dug into the classic kudzu interviews for an interview we did several years ago with Alabama songwriter Peanut Montgomery. Uh, great songwriter, great guy. Um, there's also an interview with yours truly. Uh, yeah, that turned the tables on me. Uh, Tony Pichar did an interview, uh, asked me about my writing and music and everything. Lots of articles, all sorts of cool stuff, cooking, lots of, lots of CD reviews, DVD book reviews, food columns, uh, couch potato, which is all about, you know, wasting time watching television. <laughs> Netflix is my new drug. How about that? All that and more, go to www.kudzumag.com, K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, kudzumag.com. Read the current issue, read the back issues, all in color and all free in CinemaScope. It's not really in CinemaScope, I just want to say that. <laughs> also, check out the Ambassador of Southern Rock channel on YouTube, Ambassador of Southern Rock. Just click on that and you'll find me, uh, Ambassador of Southern Rock. Uh, some of the recent interviews uh, I have on there, uh, Sean Murphy from Little Feet, Roger Earl from Fog Hat, uh, Freddie Salem of the Outlaws, uh, Bud and JD from the Box Masters. We've also been doing some uh, some shows with my friend uh, Rebel, Dwayne Fields, where we uh, talked about the greatest Southern rock albums of all time. Then we did one on greatest singers in Southern rock and the new one, greatest guitar players in Southern Rock. So it's, uh, we're having a good time. Won't you check it out? It's YouTube, uh, the ambassador of Southern Rock. Just click on that and you'll find it. All right. Appreciate it. If you got comments, opposing viewpoints, love letters, uh, tweets, whatever, it's, please write us at kudzumag at yahoo.com. Kudzumag at yahoo.com. K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G at yahoo.com. Uh, any ideas or comments or anything, we totally welcome them. Thank you so much. Uh, okay, we're going to try something new today to kick off the program. As many of you recall, we had the Kudzu Radio Hour broadcasting live every Sunday night for a number of years. Uh, it was a live show. And we'd have one or two uh, guests call in and do interviews. And so now we've got all these archives, right? And we've been digging back through them. We're going to start uh, putting uh, these one of these interviews on every once in a while uh, at the beginning of the Kudzu Radio Hour. Maybe something you didn't hear before. So today, uh, I just decided to go back to one that was recorded 10 years ago today, March 6th. Uh, March, oh, March 6th, yeah, <laughs> 2011, when I had the privilege of interviewing author Mickey Lee. Mickey is the brother of the late Joey Ramone of the New York punk band, The Ramones, yeah. And he's got a memoir called I Slept With Joey Ramone. And at the time of the interview 10 years ago, the, it, the book had just been reissued in paperback form 
with a new updated chapter to end and all this kind of stuff. Uh, Mickey co-wrote the book with Lex McNeil and Lex McNeil is the author of, you've heard the other guys talk about this book. I'm reading it now, a book about the definitive book on punk rock called Please Kill Me. So uh, he helped Mickey uh, put the book together. And Mickey on the interview talks a little about the uh, early days of the band when he was the only roadie. <laughs> he was like the road crew. Uh, he's talking about, uh, you know, a good bit about his brother, Joey, and uh, the other guys in the band. It's really cool. So uh, let's journey back in time, way back before COVID. Can you believe 10 years ago, we still had Bowie. We had Bowie. We had Aretha. We had Greg Allman. We had so many people that have since passed on. It was some ways a simpler time, you know, only 10 years ago, but it was a simpler time. So anyway, without further ado, we're going to go to uh, the Mickey Lee interview, and then we'll be back right after that with all the Hee Haw gang. So please, please, please stick around. Thanks. I do want to thank you guys that uh, are just now tuning in for joining us for the program tonight. I think we got a something really special coming up. I want to check right now on the phone, and uh, since I'm not sure of the area code of our first guest, I'm gonna I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna take a shot in the dark here and see because somebody has their hand up here at seven one eight. Let me see who this is. Seven one eight. Hello. Is this by any chance my guest? Um, yeah. Oh, I Mickey. think so. Is, uh, is this the Jane Pratt show? Uh, no, this oh. is the Michael Buckley. Oh, sorry, Michael. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I was just <laughs> got confused. Yes, it's me, Mickey Lee. Hey, Mickey Calling Lee from Forest Hills, Queens. Oh, cool. I uh, I had the I had a nine one seven area code down for you, but I thought, oh no, that's his cell phone. I didn't get the other numbers. So. Uh, no, I was supposed to call you, I thought. But, uh, yeah, that's exactly I figured right. I was going to be on taxiing on the runway here, but uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I really appreciate you calling in, man. I've really enjoyed uh, reading your book. Um, I Slept with Joey Ramone, and uh, it's, it's just brilliant. It's one of the best, and I've read tons and tons of rock and roll biographies, but, man, this one has just got it all. Thank it, you so much, man. I can just see the movie, can't you? Um, I'm hoping uh, there is something in the works. I hope so. I, I can't say a... too much about it, but I, yeah. I guess I can say what's been leaked in, on uh, certain uh, Internet uh, sites that, that, that I did sign a, uh, a deal with the Fox Searchlight about a year ago. And, oh, that's um, cool. Things are uh, moving along uh, very well. Things are progressing very quickly, much uh, faster than I ever imagined. That's great, man. And uh, who do you want to play you in there, Mark? I, I, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can't get into that. That's uh, you know. I'm just I don't kidding. Want to step on any casting agent's toes and yeah, screw up any negotiations, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know. Just cut. I don't know. Head. You sound like you might be a good candidate. Hey, uh, well, you know, the only thing is, you're a uh, you're one of those skinny guys, and I'm like a, a th- 380 something pounds, so I could play you and Joey. That's right. <laughs> hey, we got to get some production value out of this. Plus, you know, you have that Hills accent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Know, well, I did. Yeah, I did. Accent. I did. I lived up there for about three years in 
Long Branch, New Jersey, and worked in Greenwich Village. Uh, and that How was my. You sound like, like you're from like the the hills of uh, Virginia. Or something. I'm in South Carolina, man. South I'm Carolina. South, yeah, I grew up here, but I did live up there uh, for three years. And um, the girl that I was uh, staying with up there told me she said, uh, "Don't open your mouth when we're in New York. Don't say anything because you'll get mugged. <laughs> they're going to think you're a hick, you know." But, uh, yeah, I did get to see the Ramones a couple of times. I don't know. I think people are more, you know, the muggers are more scared of you guys uh, from the South. (laughs) They better be. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, yeah, I was going to say I I, uh, saw the Ramones at uh, CBGB's twice, and that was some of my greatest rock and roll experiences, the memories, you know. When uh, was that? uh, Oh, back back towards the late 70s. uh, Uh Yeah, the, must have been one of the last times they yeah, played toward the last toward, toward the last right before the breakup, I think. Right. Um, well, I wanted to tell the listeners, anybody who doesn't know, Mickey here is the brother of rock and roll icon Joey Ramone, the lead singer of the Ramones. Uh, the band started in 1974, and uh, Joey sadly died in uh, of lymphatic cancer at the age of 49 in 2001, and just rocked everybody's world. And this book. This wonderful book that Mickey has out, I Slept with Joey Ramone, takes it all the way from these two brothers growing up in New York, all the way up through world fame and all the stuff that goes with it, including uh, a lot of fist fights and. About <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, you know, well, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, but a lot of love. A lot of fights. A lot of love. Too. Oh, fist fights between me and my brother. You mean? Oh, <laughs> so you meant between uh, them and their girlfriends? Oh yeah, that's what it was. That was yeah. especially that one guy that slapped his girlfriend around all the time. Right. Yeah. I don't think uh, my brother and I ever really got into a fist fight. No, he, he, we just he did the open-handed thing, you know. He didn't really look. Joey didn't really look. Like he liked to fight that much anyway. No, but neither of us did. We we grew up, you know, uh, very uh, peace-loving uh, uh, hippies. <laughs> I love that. Now uh, you worked with a co-writer on this Legs McNeil. Tell uh, tell our listeners a little bit about Legs McNeil. Well, Legs McNeil um, is um, pretty established, uh, mainly for the book he wrote called uh, "Please Kill Me," which I'm quoted <laughs> in as well. That came out in 1996. The uh, "Please Kill Me," the oral, uncensored history of punk. Um, and he was also, uh, you know, uh, one one of the co-founders. Uh, John Holmstrom was the main uh, founder of Punk Magazine, which started in uh, 1975, I believe, 76, latest, 75, I think. And uh, Legs was also a, a friend of mine, uh, you know, for like 30 years, and was a good friend of my brother's. But um, basically, I and Legs did make some valuable valuable contributions and gave me some some direction, but. I didn't really want a co-writer. I had to have a co-writer because I had never written a book before. I had written articles and uh, magazine columns for years and uh, wrote for Time Out New York and Audio Review, but I had never written a book before, so they insisted that I take on a co-writer if I was going to be shopped to the major publishing uh, houses. So I chose Legs. Oh, yeah, that's cool. No, but, one of the, you know, basically, I wrote the book myself. That's what I really wanted to do from the beginning, and that's what uh, Simon and Schuster wanted. They didn't want yeah. a oral history type book. 
Right, right, right. I, said, you, I, I wanted something very personal, um, and something that kind of read more like a novel than a uh, oral, uncensored history or a biography. I mean, it's a memoir biography, and uh, so I, I kind of uh, refer to it as a uh, memography. <laughs> that sounds like something vaguely medical. I don't know. It's a, yeah, um, well, they all do. <laughs> no, man, it's it's all that and more. Um, one of the things that uh, that we learn about Joey uh, Ramon is that uh, you know he had uh, some self esteem issues, and uh, uh, you know I think I think he had is it true compel, uh, obsessive compulsive. Uh, a few little things, a few little quirks like that that uh, well, keep cropping up throughout think, the book. You know, that was more than just a little quirk for him. Um, you know, uh, from what I'm, I, I've learned, everybody has that to a degree, but most of us are able to control it. Everybody feels like, uh, you know, did I lock the door right? Did I turn the oven off? And, and might go back once to check it, but some people just keep going back and back and back and back, you know, to make sure right. they, they did something right. They just, it's something in, it, that in their head that tells them they didn't do it right. So you got to go back. And his was pretty severe. Oh, yeah. Well, did Joey, uh, uh, you know, I know he, he, like we said, he he really suffered from low self-esteem from early years on. Did he, uh, did he still have a bit of that even after he became a superstar? Um, I believe some of that always stuck with him, um, though uh, the extent of which you know made all the difference in his, his survival. I mean, he, yes, he did have low esteem as a kid. He was uh, picked on. He he grew up like incredibly fast. It was always the tallest and skinniest guy. Always easy prey. Always looked a little different. Um, so therefore, was picked on by just about every bully there was in uh, whatever neighborhood we were living in. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly that would bring him low esteem. Um, you know, he was not that uh, great, you know, uh, at physical activities, sports and things like that for various reasons. Um, so there were, yeah, there were, uh, and then uh, when he, when his OCD began to manifest and he would do things, you know, like step on a curb, step off, step back and forth off a curb uh, that were noticeable to our um, classmates and friends. Um, you know, he, he took a lot more uh, abuse and bullying and ribbing and, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess, um, you know, insults, um, humiliation at as a result of those things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he had a lot to overcome. Yeah, it, sure did. Yeah. The, um, now, I'm you sure were there, uh, Mickey, you were there with the band from the very beginning as uh, as a, we find in the book that uh, you were the, their, like their road road guy, your roadie. <laughs> I, I was. Their only roadie for a while. <laughs> I was the yeah, I was the road manager, the stage manager, the guitar tech, the bass tech. I was everything, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know uh, what you also find out in that book is that 
I knew those guys, uh, you know, the Johnny and Tommy, since I was uh, 10 years old was when I first met them. And um, that was as a result of, uh, you know, I had a friend my age who had an older brother who was in a band with those guys. They used to rehearse in his basement, and that's where I first met Tommy and Johnny. And then uh, when I was 14, I became very good friends with John, who was 21 at the time, but um, uh, we started a band together. And then uh, Tommy was in it uh, uh, on occasion. We actually went and recorded uh, one of Tommy's original songs. So uh, as a result of me being in a band with those guys and John and best friends with John, he was always over at my house, and uh, they got to know my brother pretty well. So there's uh, the link there. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, you know, later on, we were talking about five, six years uh, later, um, I, I kind of got fed up with rock and roll, as they did, but they, you know, they got more into the glam thing and the studios thing, and I was, uh, you know, studying music theory and composition and uh, jazz guitar and classical guitar and listening to uh, Miles Davis and McCoy Tyner and uh, Charlie Bird and Stravinsky, but, uh, and Frank Zappa, who was about the only rock uh record i was listening to a rock artist oh yeah and um but then uh when they started the ramones and uh i heard it for the first time i, I it was it just kind of reminded me of the uh the things i'd grown up loving and um just uh was very entertained by it and uh I thought it was great, and one of the best things I'd heard in, uh, in years, one of the freshest things, no guitar solos, there was nothing corny, no <laughs> uh, you know, attempted virtuosity, no jerking yourself off to your, you know, your amazing, <laughs> incredible guitar solos and keyboard solos, and, uh, <laughs> and, and just the lyrics were, you know, to me, reminiscent of uh, things I heard on Frank Zappa records. Right, yeah. So I just uh, loved it right from the get-go, and uh, and it's, I just wanted to do what I could to help them. And uh, at that time, there was no money, and uh, they couldn't really pay anybody. So I did what I could, and then I just became the official uh, road crew and uh, was yeah. the only guy there for a while. Yeah. A couple of, first couple of years, actually. Well, uh, I wanted to ask you about one of your uh, one of your band guys. It kept cropping up in there that uh, Johnny Ramone, uh, I believe it was Johnny, not Tommy. I believe it was Johnny that seemed to be kind of hard to get along with sometimes. Was it Johnny? <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. But uh, was, was it Johnny, and was he as egotistical as you paint, paint him in that book? I mean, uh, it seemed like he had the biggest ego on the planet. Well, um, I don't know about biggest ego on the planet. I mean, you know. Maybe, well, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, he, he said, God bless George Bush. Maybe uh, maybe uh -oh. there's one guy there who had a bigger ego, I think, than even Johnny, you know, but he was maybe paying tribute to his... Uh... Now, Johnny had a big ego, but he also knew his limitations. Yeah. And um, I have to give credit where it's due, and he, he certainly was a driving force in that band, uh, as far as like you know the motivation energy and uh organizational organizational aspects of it my brother i think was farly uh, far more uh creative 
in fact, he he brought in the first songs that the Ramones uh, did. But um, John was a very forceful, domineering uh, character, and um, you know, born out of a blue collar. Uh, you know, atmosphere. His father was a construction worker, so you know, I'm sure he got a lot of tough love growing up, and uh, yeah, and that's how he grew up himself. And that, yeah, uh, it seemed, seemed like he just liked to be the leader. Yeah, um, but it had to be. He had to be the leader of something that was. was that would not get away from him. So, so that's where why I think they kept right. it this most simple common denominator, which worked for them. But as far as the other aspects of that uh, personality, um, being such a hard ass, you know, uh, totally, you know, you can't show any sympathy, you can't show any emotion, yeah. no sensitivity. Yeah. That's for wimps. Um, yeah. I don't think that helped. No. Um, you know. <clears throat> And I think what you're referring to is a, probably a section where um, you know there's a dispute over a girl, right? And uh, certainly John wins it. <laughs> and um, you know, I guess what bother, always bothered me was that he never uh, was willing to offer any kind of an olive branch or make it any kind of a gesture to uh, to my brother, who he knew was a type of person who was probably unable to confront him you know physically um, emotionally various ways so he just had his way yeah yeah which well, yeah I think is kind of pricky well uh, yeah I, I wanted so to also the most eloquent way of putting it kind of pricky, yeah, that, but, yeah that's, that's pretty good you did a good job there the uh, <laughs> that's very diplomatic. Yeah. The, uh, uh, you know, the Ramones are regarded as uh, as such a influ huge influence in rock and roll, and they were. And uh, um, do you consider the Ramones as being the first punk band or the Sex Pistols? Oh, I don't. Cons well, me personally, I don't consider either one of them the first punk band. Oh, okay. Um, as I, you might have read in my book, you know there yeah. was this big dispute about that going on between Legs and Lester Bangs and my brother and uh, um, you know I guess even Johnny at some point. Um, and I described it as a real uh, you know chicken of the egg thing. What came first? Uh, you know who came first? The Ramones at the Sex Pistols, or was it um, huh. was it the Stooges? before the Ramones? Was it the Who before the Stooges? Was it the Beatles when they were all wearing uh, motorcycle jackets? And, you know? Elvis. Uh, was it Elvis Presley? You know? <laughs> um, so, I don't really... To me, the Who were really kind of like the first punk band with that really brash attitude. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. That's my opinion. So I, I like, you know, I, like I, that. I couldn't really tab... Uh, Either the Ramones or the Sex Pistols with being the creators of punk rock. I mean, uh, certainly Iggy was doing crazy things, you know, before that. And oh yeah, certain, uh, certain things along those lines. A lot of his music was more sophisticated. 
Um, but there was a lot of it that was, was not. That was just raw power, as the name of the record <laughs> goes. Oh, yeah. Right? We'll never forget that one. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they were uh, listening to that stuff um Religiously, and I think uh, you know, came away with uh, you know, came away very influenced from that. And um, but obviously, I think I know what you're talking about. Who popularized it, right? Yeah. And um, I gotta give it to the Ramones. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and the crowd <laughs> I mean, goes wild. Know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you know I, what the Sex Pistols were doing. I guess you know it, it was very rebellious, very punk, but yeah, uh, above it, I don't want to say punk. It was very rebellious, very aggressive, and very pointed politically. But you know what uh, was punk? The, the kind of punk that we thought of as punk here, uh, which what the, the guy, what Legs' magazine uh, perpetuated as as punk, was. More just to you know to have fun to not worry about the rules just to to not yeah. worry about being sophisticated just just have fun you know but not but not necessarily to tear the building down no uh, <laughs> right exactly I mean yeah. not, you know not not, not to uh, not to, to 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 go out of your way to hurt anybody to be violent uh, you know right. that was that had nothing to do with it whatsoever the Ramones you know? were really wrong. Ramones were really had really good rock and roll music, and the Pistols. And I know some people will disagree with me. That's fine, but it's just my opinion that uh, I, I don't listen to Sex Pistols albums, uh, but I listen to Ramones albums because there is this actual rock and roll music. You know, it's just like it almost sounds sometimes like going back to the fifties, right? The, you know, simple garage band stuff. It's just. Well, exactly. Like That's, uh, I agree with you. I mean, you know, not like the fifties, um, this early sixties bubblegum music, early sixties, uh, yeah. you know, question mark in the Mysterians, garage, <laughs> yeah. garage rock. Yeah, yeah. That's what you mean, I think. You know? What's uh, what's uh, what's one of your fondest memories, just right off the top of your head, of the legendary CBGBs? Because that was like the home for the Ramones for the longest time. Um, yeah, it was. Um, one of my fondest memories. Um, well, you know, I can't say I have a fondest memory, but my my fondest memory is is really kind of a, a culmination of um, seeing going in there for the first time with those guys and having seeing three people in the audience, and when when I did my last show with them as uh, roadie, whatever you want to call it, in uh, June of two thousand uh, of nineteen seventy-seven. You know the place was mobbed. You know it was packed, and they were doing uh, like I don't know a week of shows there or something like that. So that is my highlight in my mind of just that whole. Um, the whole period of the whole sequence of events of of it beginning at that stage and where it w- was when I left. To me, oh, yeah, yeah. that's the highlight. Looking out, uh, you know, when I was closing up at my last road case, and that was my final job, and looking out and seeing, 
you know, a packed stage with people pressed up against it. I mean, you know, a packed room, not a packed stage, but uh, you couldn't move in the place, you know. And and I remember oh, yeah. thinking of that, wow, this is this is fucking great, man. I don't know if you can curse on this show. Sorry if you can't. Well, apparently you can. <laughs> um, no, it's no problem. It's Internet. Good. And uh, I just remember thinking, wow, I've had the best seat in the house. And, uh, you know, what, what an experience this has been to see not only the Ramones, uh, but Blondie and Talking Heads and oh, yeah. that whole scene, man, blossom and thrive and uh, and so much great stuff come out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't narrow it down to one uh, highlight. Well, that's fine. Um, Although, you know, maybe one, one uh, personal favorite is, and it might not be a highlight, but uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> It's, a, I guess, probably one of the, the memories that is embedded in my brain is when, uh, before the Ramones got their record deal, they were offered a chance to open up for Johnny Winter at, in uh, Waterbury, Connecticut, hmm. uh, because this uh, person was, uh, David Robinson was bringing uh, people from a record company to uh, to see them, and they weren't on the bill. And they came on after a band called Storm, which was a band of the guys comprised of uh, Yes and different bands like that. Nobody knew they were going to come on. The, the curtain goes up. The Ramones go into Loudmouth, and uh, <laughs> you know, you could just the blank stare on the audience's faces before they began <laughs> to throw, uh, you know, uh, their sneakers, and uh, you know, the, even the ushers were, uh, you know, unscrewing their their flashlights and throwing the D-cell batteries on the stage. You know, <laughs> that was pretty wild. <laughs> you know, that was, pretty that was unforgettable. I don't know about a highlight, but uh, you know. <laughs> no, it was kind of a cool story, though. But they, uh, now, one of the things I want to this uh, radio show, by the way, is a um, is is a part of uh, my website, the Universal Music Tribe dot com. And so my first thing is I'm a writer, and uh, you know this is. I really see you have quite a career there going. Well, I'm trying. To, I try, but uh, my hero, my hero was Lester Bangs. Really? And, and uh, you play, and you uh, you yeah. played in a band with Lester Bangs, and I wanted to get you to just give me a little insight, other than the cough syrup, into <laughs> <laughs> what was Lester like? Was he just out there? No, Lester was really a uh, you know a warm-hearted, caring guy. Um, he was just very blunt, uh, you know. Um, he did not pull punches. He said what he thought, um, and he liked to stir the pot, you know. But uh, very often we disagreed, and we had some uh, great conversations. But um, you know, he had, he had this uh, philosophy. That um, everyone, everybody should record a record at some time. Yeah, every the housewife, uh, everybody, you know, and um, <laughs> that uh, um, housewives, all right. Yeah, well, you know, and, and that uh, he wasn't, he didn't care about you know making money doing this, but you know, <sighs> um, being being a performer, I mean, but. Um, I, I I know he kind of did care about it because obviously he wouldn't have gotten on the stage. You know, right. you don't do that and you write songs unless you want people to hear them. It's not ne necessarily the money, but um, he was a great guy, very opinionated, um, but meant well. 
uh, you know, wanted to change the world in better ways, even though he, you know, put on this uh, facade that he, you know, totally supported anarchy, you know, no anti-capitalist, anti-everything, you know, anarchy as our political uh, and uh, social system. And um, I kind of didn't buy into that because I knew Lester needed, he liked uh, cashing his checks just like everybody else, you know, who's sitting aside, uh, alongside him in the subway, the guy in the suit, you know. Um, so a little hypocritical in certain ways. But um, he certainly did not mind pushing the envelope, and uh, you know that's a uh, that's a very important thing. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, rather than just having people uh, sit back and uh, be silent. That's right. Majority, you know. Oh man, I, mean, I miss great... him tremendously. He was a great friend of mine. Yeah, he's a great, some kind of a great writer. I know that. And, and a great writer. And we wrote some great songs together, and at least we got one album out. Yeah, I've got that. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that was just a, you know kind of a fluke. That, if you know the story, we, we our bass player snuck us into Electric Ladyland on April Fool's Day because they were renovating <laughs> the place. We ran tape for a couple of hours, recorded nine songs, no overdubs, uh, no chances to do for retakes really. Um, uh, but that album. Uh, Turned out great somehow. Uh, as yeah. they mixed it, we actually we lost track of it for eight years. But when it did come out, uh, people like Robert Criscow uh, gave it, you know, a reviews and Cream Magazine said it was the best album of 1986, beating uh, Springsteen and Thelonious <laughs> Monster, and uh, so that was nice. Yeah, that was Even though, uh, you know, I couldn't get. We, any record deal, any record label to put that album out. So I wound up selling ads on the back cover. <laughs> to, it's not on the CD you have there, but uh, on, nice. on the, in the back cover of, of the vinyl, I wound up. Uh, me and this friend of mine, Robin Rothman, had this. Uh, I had the idea, but we we wrote up this this whole sales pitch and took it around to all the stores on the on the in the village and to everybody we knew. And actually got ads from shoe stores and uh, uh, employment companies and any anybody we could, other bands, ar artists, and raised a thousand dollars enough to print up a thousand copies. And, uh, and this guy uh, Jim Reynolds uh, of the Independent Label Alliance distributed it, but that was how that album got out. Awesome. And I called it Ad On Records. <laughs> Ad On. <laughs> That's pretty witty. I like that. Yeah. Um, the uh, shifting gears right quick. I wanted to go back and talk for, for a second about the uh, the whole story of your brother Joey and when he got cancer and how it eventually took him away from us. It's really really sad. But uh, I know you and Joey were really close growing up, and then you went through that period when you weren't so close. Um, do you feel like you and he made made peace and all before he passed? Yes, I, I, I don't think it, you know, thankfully I know it, and, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, if that didn't happen, man, I, you know, I'd, uh, would have, it, it would have been uh, horrible for the rest of my life, but um, thankfully that did. I mean, we were, it was a periodical, a periodic thing uh, throughout the 90s, I mean, um, he turned 40 in uh, 1951, 
And up to that point, I mean, for in 1991, and um, up to that point, we had been uh, the closest of friends. But something has got some resentment got built up, probably on both sides for reasons going back on his part, maybe going uh, back to our early childhood. Um, when he was having problems and I was getting all the uh, pats on the back, skipping grades in school, they're going having friends older than me, like uh, like John Cummings, later Johnny Ramone, who uh, when we wanted to go out and he wanted to come along, John would say, nah, no, you know, because he thought my brother was just like this flaky hippie and didn't want to hang out. So, you know, I'm sure there was some resent in that way. And then... Uh, on my part, you know, I had helped. I had helped. I sang on the first Ramones album. I'd uh, helped my brother write a bunch of songs, and just kind of waited for them to do the right thing, and never did. And then uh, finally, I kind of, uh, when they used uh, Blitzkrieg Bob for a Bud Light TV commercial in 1991, I <laughs> just finally said, uh, and I'm hearing my voice on the commercial, that. <laughs> And I'm broke, you know, at that time, and uh, they're getting a hundred thousand dollars, and they just made a little tiny squeak about, do you think I should have got something for that? And uh, you know, it was, when I was roaring for them, they were paying me fifty bucks a week, man. And I, yeah, I was, uh, you know, by the time I quit, I owed like three months' rent. I was broke. I had to sell my car, everything. So I thought maybe, uh, you know, they could have done the right thing, even throw me like five hundred dollars session fee, but. It turned into an ugly mess, and I never wanted it to be between my brother and I. Uh, it was between me and the Ramones, but I yeah. knew it was kind of putting him in a position to either take a stand for me or, you know, confront John. And uh, I guess he thought it was easier to just, uh, you know, get pissed off at me. So that started a whole long, uh, you know, uh, ugly series. Of events, but then in 1994, he asked me to make a record together that we called Sibling Rivalry, <laughs> um, where we covered a, a version of See My Way, the old Bloodwind Pig song, and uh, it was put out on Alternative Tentacles. So, the two years after this big fight, uh, you know, here we are making a record together, and then we have another little spat, and then he wants to manage my band, Stop, in 1996. And then we have another little spat. And then we're talking again. Uh, so it went that way. You know? Oh, yeah. It wasn't like, you know, we hated each other, never talked for 10 years, which is what a lot of people seem to want to perpetuate. Like Monty Melnick in his book, you know, has to make it sound like, you know, we were mortal enemies for 10 years. And that is just not true. Um, yeah. But uh, thankfully, in. Um, the year 2000, uh, my dad passed away in October, and um, and that's when uh, my brother and I uh, finally, you know, came to uh, this big uh, reconciliation. Unfortunately, uh, well, he, yeah, he, he what happened was uh, he had his Christmas show, and uh, then the next night I was playing there with another band. He came to see me. Said I'm going to to Manitoba to sing Happy Birthday to uh, this other friend of his, Chris, who's a uh, singer in a band called The Independence, who my brother was working with. So, would you want to come over and sing it with me? 
I said, sure, you know. So we went over to Manitoba's and uh, sang that song to his friend Chris, and then he said, you want to do another? And he said, yeah, sure. And we just kept singing songs together until like 2 o'clock in the morning. And then um, we gave each other a big hug and said, look, let's just forget about all that crap, you know. And... um, and that was uh, that was the beginning of the, you know a true reconciliation, and it was also the t- the last time uh, my brother sang anywhere in public, and and uh, and we sang and he sang with me the last song as he ever sang. So, well, um, that uh, it still kind of breaks me up uh, just talking about it, but I it bet. was yeah. it was a beautiful thing, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a wonderful wonderful uh, story, uh, the the whole thing, and I highly recommend to everybody just pick up this the new paperback version of I Slept with Joey Ramone. Which it's also, also a story. To... I just sorry to interrupt you. Well, I just want to throw you know. in there that you know it, this is a story that even if you never heard of the Ramones or don't know anything about punk rock, right? I, and I think Michael, maybe you'd agree. I do. Yeah, there's right. still a hell of a lot to get out of this story it's mainly you know it's inspirational it's about basically about you know i guess somebody is the uh the biggest underdog you know imaginable to be ever to ever become a uh somebody so influential and uh, idolized uh, by millions of people and inspired by uh, inspiring millions of people and Influenced uh, so, uh, you know, it was such a huge influence in, in uh, music and fashion and um, uh, what just, you know, a wonderful guy who had some problems, as uh, we all do, but um, he was human, and that's why what I wanted, wanted to make him in this story, a human being. Yeah. Well, it's like I was telling somebody the other day, I said it was kind of like, um, you know, it was kind of like... Um, what Rocky was to boxing is kind of like what Joey Ramone. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like a human. It's a human drama, is what yeah. it is, with real people. And, well, it's uh, kind of like Rocky. If Rocky was uh, 110 pounds, <laughs> it, it probably wouldn't have won that fight. Uh, no, I mean it might have been a little more difficult. You know, I mean yeah. certainly the odds were against Rocky, but I mean. <laughs> The odds, you know, the, comparatively, the odds against my brother were that a hundredfold. You know? I was going to add that there is a brand new epilogue, too, uh, added to the paperback version. And uh, it kind of updates things and everything. That's really, that was really uh, uh, extra special, too. Um, well, I just want to say... Uh, I guess There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of crazy things that happened after... Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah I don't want to give I don't want to give them away because I want people to buy this and read it. Okay. I, I think I think they should. And now that it's in paperback, come on, people, you can afford it. It's just, it's not expensive at all. Really, available as an ebook now as well. Oh, great! That's awesome. That's all awesome. Well, um, Mickey also, Lee. would you? I don't know if you'd mind, Michael, but uh, you know, every year I do this thing called the Joey Ramone Birthday Bash. Yeah. Which oh, is. Yeah. Uh, you know, something done to keep his flame burning and uh, secondarily to raise money for lymphoma research. And it's May 19th at Irving Plaza. It's always a great show. This is the 
this marks the 10th anniversary of his passing, and uh, we hope to make it a big special event and hope everybody uh, will come out and support it. Oh, that would be so great. May yeah. 19th at Irving Plaza. Yeah. Cool. Well, Mickey, I want to say thank you, and uh, I appreciate you spending so much time with me. And it just You sound just like I thought you would sound, just like a, <laughs> a nice guy, like I think you and Joey both were. And um, I never got to meet him, so I, I'm, I'm really glad I got to meet you, at least on the radio. Well, Michael, <laughs> my sincere appreciations, and I thank you for uh, having me. Give me the time. Well, thanks, buddy. We're gonna we're gonna let you go. We're gonna play a little bit of Ramones, okay? All right, cool. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank okay. you, man. Take it easy.
folks, uh, once again, thanks for listening in. That What you just heard was my interview from 10 years ago today with a New York writer and a member of the first family of punk. as Mickey Lee. His brother was Joey Ramon. And uh, it was fun when we talked 10 years ago. Thought we'd bring that back. And then right after that, you heard a couple of Ramon's songs, a couple of two-minute jams. Uh, I Want to Be Sedated and Blitzkrieg Bop. A couple of my favorites. Well, all of them are my favorites. So that being said, I want you to welcome uh, my partners in crime on the program. These are three honest-to-God punks. We got punk Billy Eli in Massachusetts and then punk uh, Jim and punk Pat in Austin, Texas. So what's going on? What's going on? Are real punks. Is is everybody having a good weekend? Yeah. It's cold as hell here in New England, man. What do y'all have in Texas? During the winter storm, it was colder where y'all are than it was here. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it, it was 80 yesterday. Yeah. What uh what about Sparkle City? Buff? Well, you How's know uh, in Sparkle City. Man, yesterday it was seventy three degrees. Today it's forty nine degrees. <laughs> so That's still not I think bad, man. The gods are trying to make us sick by jerking us around, but I don't know what the deal is. But I'm happy. Hope you're happy too. Uh as to quote Bowie. Um also happy that I'll be going to get my first shot next week. You've already, Bill, you already had both. I'm, I've already had my second one. And You're ready to get on the airplane and everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to LA next month, but, um, yeah. The, uh, let me just say, I, I heard tons of horror stories about the side effects and I'm not saying that that don't happen, but I'm going to tell you, I didn't have any, yeah. the, uh, the only side effect that I had, it the both vaccines first and the second made my arm more sore than your typical like flu vaccine it reminded me a lot of a tetanus shot my oh. my arm got real sore for about a day, for day and and then it went away but i didn't well, have any i didn't have any other symptoms uh yeah. now another person i know up here was sick as hell for a day and a half well my daughter told me i was talking to her about that she said you know the media and everything, they're kind of blowing it out of proportion. If a few people have adverse reactions, what they're not talking about is that the same number of people have adverse reactions to flu shots every year. I mean, there's a, it's, it's all the person. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily yeah, the COVID shot. Yeah, this got all politicized, man. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's about so like It's about like any damn thing else. I don't want to get into the politics of it, but yeah. Like you just said, there's going to be, you know, some percentage of the population is going to is going to get sick from it. And you know what else? A certain percentage of the population is going to end up get still getting COVID in spite of being vaccinated. That's true. Um, That's true. And, you know, but I just my personal experience uh, with it is and you're about to get your first shot. I didn't have any side effects other than a side, than a sore arm. And um, I don't believe you know, I'm going to have any either. Well, probably not. And uh, Jim and Pat, man, well, y'all are on a list or something, right? I'm uh, pre-registered. What the hell does pre-registered mean? I'm I registered. Know, I, it's I, like I, I think what 
I think what it means is, you know, my my wife and and my daughter have had their first shots because my daughter has health issues. But uh, I think what it means is once they start getting vaccines available, they will email you because my wife signed up at several different places and uh, she's getting emails frequently now that the vaccine's more available saying, Hey, it's you, you, you can come in and get it. She's, has they've she, already had their had first for, shots. Okay. Both that of them was, have had their first shots. Yeah. yeah that well, was what, they, what the doctor told me is that this coming Monday, uh, you know, they're really going to open it up just pretty much everybody. I mean, they, oh, wow. said, they said, they said uh, 55 and older uh, at, at first, but then now they're saying, well, we've got this new vaccine with the Johnson and Johnson and all combining with another company. So we got enough to do everybody, you know, it's what they're saying. Uh, so, I mean, then they go, then again, they said that I was, uh, being 63 and having health issues. They said, we we'll get you in there uh, next week. And I'm like, okay, good. I want it. I want everybody to get it, but I don't, I know I've got like 75% of my, trump loving friends that yeah i'm not getting even into that, get it. man. I, I have family members that are refusing to get it yeah it's just a democratic plot the whole thing is <laughs> right yeah bill, bill gates wants to put a chip in your head yeah yeah, yeah. i'll uh, tell you what given a given a crap i just had trying to sign in a, my goddamn email chip in my head would be all right i wouldn't <laughs> yeah. even needed a device man. yeah that's right don't need a device you, you see the images on the inside of your retina, like, you know, some science fiction movie. Um, hmm. Let's play a game of high fidelity. Bah, 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 da, da, bah, oh, I got, a I got a great question. Oh, you're going to take mine again, are you? I Is that am, what you're yeah. going to do? Every you, week, it's like, oh, wait, I, we're not going to do yours. We're going to do mine. <laughs> it's, we it's can do every, both. It's, it's not every week, but it is this week. I have a great one. <laughs> Oh, and, God, I, and, I, and I no, something and I real difficult. Up, yeah, you're screwed. But Jim, <laughs> but Jim and Pat are probably okay. Uh, okay, here's and and you don't need five, just one. One uh, answer. Best rockabilly song by a not rockabilly band or, or artist. I mean, when I say band, I you know, uh, best and. And I'm going to lead off so I can steal one. This is probably the one Pat immediately picked. So I'm going to go ahead and try and take that from crazy little thing called love by queen. That was mine. I got it. I got it from Jim. That was mine too. I knew knew somebody (laughs) would go there. That was mine too. Uh, Billy Eli leaves things off with a triple. Air in the first inning. Yep. That's right. Okay. Uh, Or, uh, you know, how about, uh, how about hot dog by Zeppelin? Yeah, uh, again, man. Yeah, <clears throat> more of a honky tonk than a than a than a rockabilly, but it's better than what I was gonna say. So, what's uh, <laughs> yours, Jim? Mine is uh, and mostly the guitar solo, but uh, "Best Friends Girl" by the Cars. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, man, he's. He, no, an argument could be made that, that, that that's rockabilly based, man. List, oh. Particularly the solo, but it but starts right, out with that. Right. That yeah, yeah. So that's a it. I, it is rockabilly influence. There's no doubt that the uh, both both the little lick that that Elliot Easton does after the um, after the uh, chorus, which is based on uh, 
what George Harrison did on I Will, on an, right. early, an early Beatles song, which in turn was based on Carl Perkins. So I can draw a line straight from that to Carl Perkins. And and not only the lick, man, but uh, on that particular on that particular cut, the tone of his guitar was, uh, I don't know, man. I, for lack of a better term, it was more fendery. It was played on a tel it was played on a telecaster with the slapback tape echo. Yeah, yeah. I mean the, the the tone on it. So yeah, yeah, that one's good. Uh okay. You're up, Buff. Well, I was gonna say that Queen song. So uh I would say <laughs> I would say I don't know if you call it rockabilly or not, but it could be. A song Los Lebos did called Don't Worry Baby. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. By the window, yeah. it's kind of a rockabilly thing. And if know? you're if you're if you were uh, if if covers count, then I'm going with a uh, brand new Cadillac by the Clash. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, well sure. Cover, covers do count. I, I'm in just okay. any. I'm in any rockabilly, you know, <laughs> a, a rockabilly song done in mostly a rockabilly style by not rockabilly band. You know, I wouldn't you have could, allowed. I wouldn't have allowed anything too much by the by the, like the Sex Pistols because really they were a rockabilly. Band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was loud and out of tune, but it was rockabilly. Okay, that was mine. What's yours, Buff? You had one for this week. Uh, oh, question. Well, yeah. I wanted to say on that rockabilly front that uh, the first thing that popped in my mind after the Queen thing was Elvis Costello's uh, "Get Happy" album. Because there's a lot of the songs on there that bordered on rockabilly, right? And, and I just love that record because every song is less than is like two and a half minutes long. <laughs> but there's so many great things on there. I'm just a fan of um, something out of the remote. I'm a fan book. of both Elvises, um, really. So my uh, question, yeah, okay, this is uh, she's three i i wanted everybody to say three three answers if you, well, can, you do can it you can do that I, three answers sure. uh great songs about cars or driving patrick long white cadillac <clears throat> pink cadillac Ah, oh, fucker. A lot of Cadillac songs. I, fu I fucking and, hate you, man. <laughs> and I gotta get that Cadillac. Yeah. There. <laughs> All right. Wow. Okay. About, Billy. Oh, uh, yeah. Great. After you let fucking Pat go first and spill all my bitch. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, actually, he only welcome, stole one. He only stole club. one pink Cadillac. All right, man. Here we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna start with Jim Jim did a cars number for the last one. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick that up and say drive. Uh that uh who's gonna favorite, tell you when my favorite car stuff was uh the the lead vocals on it was always uh Benjamin. Ben Orr, yeah. Yeah. Oh and, man, uh, yeah. So good. And, and I really I really like that solo stuff that he did one as mid mid 80 mid late 80 mm -hmm. um anyway uh so drive pink cadillac would have been my second choice but <laughs> somebody stole that you me. are so welcome what, so here's what i'm gonna do man i'm gonna move over to truck driver's song <laughs> 
Tombstone every Tombstone every mile by uh Dick Curtis, man. It's about wow. uh, that's about a real piece of road in Maine. And uh, it's about a hairpin turn. Okay? And uh I'm gonna uh I'm not even sure who originally did this. All those truck driver things have been done by so many different people. But uh, I'm going to cite the live version by Commander Cody with our friend uh, Mark singing Mark. vocals. Mark yeah. singing, uh, looking at the world through a windshield. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Watching, watching it go by me on the right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I kind of I kinda cheated, man. I, I dealt with yeah. you. Uh, I no, don't do a genre that was only about well. Driving. Actually, trucks is a great, uh, yes, yeah, fine. I mean, you could name all kind of Commander Cody songs. It's like, <laughs> you know, just tons, tons and tons of things. Mama, mama yeah. hated diesel. Yeah, yeah, mama hated diesel. And of course, there's I've been everywhere, man. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, which version of that do you like best? Hank Snow's or Johnny Cash? Johnny there was a. There was a really cool Texas version somebody did that Beto used at his uh, Senate campaign rallies. It's it's all Texas places, you know. Oh. Uh, Rockport, Port Arthur, uh, Iran, oh, yeah. Iran's Port, Pass. Port, Port Arthur, that's where I wish I was. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, what a great city. <sighs> I was there for the millennium. When the millennium uh, came, we were out there at Port Arthur. That was crazy. You only uh, ever need to be there once. Most boring, you know, the guy took us around all of the Janis Joplin, where she grew up and all that kind of stuff, which was kind of cool. But other than that, I mean, there's a museum there, the Museum of the Gulf Coast. Right. And uh, it's like, you know. There's all oil rigs. And shit well, the, like yeah, that. all that shit. And there's all kinds of shit in there. And, 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 uh, and then you get to the music section and it's just this one tiny little room with, a re I get, I'm sure it's a reproduction of Janice's Porsche uh, with the painting all over it, uh, all that kind of stuff. It's cool. Anyway, uh, so uh, Jim hasn't done his yet on these. All right. Jim. Well, at the risk of repeating myself, brand new Cadillac by The Clash, The Clash's <laughs> version of it. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm also going to pick a song called Drive, but it's the one by R.E.M., not the one by. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And uh, the pride of Festus, Missouri, the Bottle Rockets, $1,000 car. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. They broke up. $1,000 car. They broke so, up this week. Hate that. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yep. 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 So drive by REM, that's different than Driver 8. It is different than Driver 8. Okay. That's a train song. That's, that's a train, train song. song. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. So, uh, damn. Uh, well. Oh, the bottle rock the bottle rockets are calling it. Only only serious guy I ever saw, man, that really played a PV guitar. <laughs> played a PVT that P played T60. a PVT sixty. That was my yeah. second electric guitar. My second electric was well, a Well, I know a lot of people that owned them. I never knew anybody that played one any longer than it took them to get enough money to get a better guitar. I got a PV. I got a they're not, yeah, I they're, not they're not bad guitars. They got a, they heavy got a as hell. They're heavy super heavy. Hell. They've got a built-in uh, phase shifter. I right. love that guitar. Yeah, I got a PV. Uh, I got a PV that was painted. I got on uh, uh, whatever that holiday at Thanksgiving. What do they call that when it's uh, black, blue, black? I don't know, Black Friday or whatever. Um, oh, but I got the shopping day. Musician's friend. I got this uh, PV 
and it's painted screen printed or whatever with the Avengers, the Hulk and Captain America and all that stuff. And, uh, I got it just because of the artwork and it was real cheap, but this buddy that, of mine took it and that got would it make all a good tattoo. Yes. <laughs> his buddy of mine went, took it to the shop and got it all set up and got the action changed and the file down the frets and all kinds of stuff. And thing plays like a dream now. I mean, it's just really cool. So, I mean, what can you say? My, uh, my, uh, 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 cars or driving song, uh, I would say the first one that came to mind was a little deuce coop. Um, I always liked that. I used to be a, that is a, that is a good one. Used to be a it beach is. boys nut as a kid. Um, and one, uh, you may have heard of called born to run. And uh, talk no, a little I bit haven't. about cars, and you know, or anything that Bruce ever recorded this is a great song about cars. <laughs> I mean, there's tons of shit, and uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think he liked his cars. But and my third one was uh, "Low Rider" by War. That's a good one too. Low Rider. And uh, yet we don't have a where, oh, where can my baby be? We don't have dead man's curve. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Here I am, man. I'm thinking deities I don't even believe in. That we didn't have any of that. You know, yeah. I I, I didn't care for, I didn't care for that whole 50s kind of death genre of no. rock and roll oh they really got into that finding their they, high they did ring man that that, t- that teenage death thing yeah i'm disappointed i didn't think of maybelline well, can't oh, yeah. oh, possibly hell, my favorite just, uh, yeah me too <laughs> my favorite chuck berry song probably saw yeah. maybelline at Coopville. man yeah that's a good well okay well that's fun Moving right along, you know, into our 12th hour of the program today, uh, we're going to do a recommendations, recommend, excuse me, recommendations. And I'm going to go first because after I do it, I'm going to go get a beer. <laughs> Wait, am I supposed to say that? I don't you care. Can, say you can anyway. say that, man. I've got two recommendations. The first one is quite obvious because, um, we played, I played that interview with Mickey Lee, but I want to still want to recommend the book I Slept with Joey Ramon by Mickey Lee and Legs McNeil. Uh, in 2011, they put out the paperback version and, and they'd gone in there and added a chapter on, you know, whatever became of this, that, and the other Ramon. Um, as we know, yeah, I guess most of them have passed on now. All four uh, of the original ones. All yeah, four of the original, right. yeah. But he has a, a he, the book is really cool because, I mean, you can tell he loves his brother. And he paints a, a whole picture of uh, Joy Ramon as being, a, you know, very shy and quiet and uh, not at all, you know, the excessive rock star guy at all. He just enjoys singing and having a good time. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. Um, the other one that I wanted to recommend is television because I am so bad at just getting hooked on series. I, I started a series, oh, I don't know, Monday or Tuesday. And last night I've already finished all 10 episodes. It's on, um, Amazon prime. Uh, it's called tell me your secrets. And it's very binge worthy. Uh, the girl Lily Rabe is a star, and I just absolutely love her. Uh, 
she was in all the American Horror Story uh, shows, and uh, she's um, she's just a good actor, very good at brooding, and she broods through this whole entire thing, uh, which is cool. Another thing that's neat about it is her, uh, I want to say her husband is, but they're not married. She has a child with and lives with uh, an actor named uh, Hamish Linklater. Uh, who co-stars in the show, which is weird because in the show, he's like uh, trying to kill her in very, very, very graphic ways. I mean, there's a lot of uh, gratuitous violence and stuff like that, which of course I like, you know, I like The Sopranos, so what can I say? Uh, really good. And that's pretty much it. The... Uh, uh, tell me your secrets is to, you know, if you like a sort of a, uh, crime, you know, it's not a true crime thing. It's a fictional crime thing, but it's got more twists and I say it's got more twists and turns than the Blue Ridge Parkway going through the mountains up here. I mean, a lot of twists and turns and, um, you, you won't know, you know, till the final episode exactly what happens. So that's, I like that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? I like it. So that's my recommendations. I slept with Joy Ramone and Lily Rabe and <laughs> Tell Me Your Secrets. Next up, we've got recommendations from, dum, dum, dum. Let's see, who's the most long-winded? Oh, Jim. Let's Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Two weeks in a row you said that. <laughs> I'm starting well, to get a complex. Well, I've got a recommendation. I got a you recommendation. Are complex. You are a complex I, person. I got a recommendation and a heads up. My okay. recommendation, my recommendation uh, goes back to again what I like to call the pride of Festus, Missouri, the Bottle Rockets. This week, <laughs> their uh, their fearless leader Brian Hanneman announced that he is retiring from not just the Bottle Rockets but from music altogether. He says he wants to live a normal life. He started out as a guitar roadie for uh, Uncle Tupelo. And then when the, the bands split, he actually played lead guitar on the first Wilco album, AM, uh, and then decided to devote his energies to the Bottle Rockets. And they put out a great self-titled debut album um, with some, some great songs. Gas Girl, I, I, Patrick, you know, you know these songs. Did you ever read the song Gas Girl is kind of a dig at Springsteen? I kind of always did because he says a little, little girl bit. a lot and he sings it kind of <clears throat> like he's doing a pastiche of, of Springsteen. Yeah. Anyway, some great songs on that record. <clears throat> Trailer Mama is just freaking great. And then they outdid themselves with their second record called The Brooklyn Side, which was produced by Eric Amble of the Delords. Uh, it, it is a fantastic record. One of the handful of best records of that early best, to best mid nineties. Best uh, record of the nineties. Yeah. Amer Americana, uh, uh, no depression thing. And if you go on Amazon, you can get those two records as a twofer on a single uh, compact disc that also has some demos, including an acoustic demo of one of their greatest songs called Indianapolis, which is in right. a full band version on their third record, 24 hours, 24, is it 24 hours a day? A day, yeah. And that, um, that, that demo goes back to, because uh, when Uncle Tupelo was rehearsing for what became, I guess, uh, anodyne they were fooling around with the dat machine and he would yep. just demo it when they were done recording when uncle tupelo was done recording and he he tracked uh <clears throat> he tracked welfare music 
He yep. tracked uh, Indianapolis. He tracked a bunch of other stuff. And that's how the bottle rockets came to be. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I, 24 hours a day was when they, to me, after after the first two records, they just couldn't keep up with how brilliant those first two records were, which is not uncommon. And there's lots of good stuff on a lot of the other things, but that uh, and I I don't have the twofer. I've I've heard all of the bonus tracks, but you know I have them from the original CDs from back when they were first released. But uh, seriously, you will not regret if you're listening to this show. Chances are you will not regret, and you don't know the Bottle Rockets. You should, because chances and, are you're going to love those records. Man, I gotta, just, I gotta, yeah, I, I gotta agree. I gotta agree with Jim on that, man. If yeah, probably if you're listening to the show and have not heard the Bottle Rockets, you're not gonna go wrong listening. I was lucky enough to see them touring for their first album when I still lived in Des Moines. Yep, and uh, I, was I saw them with to, you in Des Moines once. Yeah, yeah, at Bags, yeah. right on on yeah. University, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with the guitar player who had a broken leg and he was playing standing up in a cast. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, we saw him on their last tour too at the Continental mm -hmm. Club, and before that, out at Spiked Place. Tremendous, tremendous band, great guys. I think the only original members were Brian and uh, the drummer, but yep. you know they they had That's a good correct. long run, and you know thirty years of playing honky tonks is a long, long time. So I'm sad, but I understand. Yeah, Brian Henneman says he just wants to be a normal guy. He wants to yeah. have a family and do family stuff and, you know, and he's a real, real interesting guy, but he he did some some really, really fine stuff. Those, so check out any Bottle Rockets, but I would highly recommend that those two first, first records, yeah. Bottle Rockets and the Brooklyn side on, on, one, on one CD. And my heads up is something that I thought, never thought I'd really say, in in this millennium but alice cooper has a new record out and the reason i'm mentioning it is because it's called detroit stories or detroit stories and you know i'm a big fan of that late 60s early 70s loud detroit music you know iggy and the stooges of course the mc5 right uh and you know the the early alice cooper group was part of that scene you I know no i did not know that and wow. um yeah, when when Alice Cooper was a band and not a person, when they started out, they they uh, they're they're from the Detroit area, and um, I I've I've heard two songs off of the record, and I'm uh, so that's why it's a heads up and not a recommendation. The first one is a cover of the Velvet Underground's "Rock and Roll," but it's actually a cover of uh, Mitch Ryder's cover of the Velvet Underground's "Rock and Roll" for that Detroit connection. Uh, Mitch Ryder did a cover of, of it, a hard rock cover of it in the, in the early seventies, uh, before the Lou Reed rock and roll animal version with, uh, Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner on guitar and practice John on bass. And I saw Alice Cooper twice in the late seventies and Steve Hunter and practice John were both in his band. And it turns out that Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner are also from Detroit. So there's all this Detroit stuff going on and it was, but anyway, this cover was was good not great but good but then he has another song called our love will change the world that is a cover of an obscure detroit band from the early 2000s uh whose name uh i will get in a minute uh it's uh i love will it's uh cherry something cherry 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 oh i'll come up with it in a minute but anyway it does not sound like alice cooper it's a kind of a cheery song with really kind of disturbing lyrics, 
which is Ooh, outrageous I, cherry. I like that already. <laughs> outrageous cherry is the name of the band. Uh, a, an obscure Detroit band from the uh, from the early two thousands, and I heard it on the radio, and I'm like, wow, this is uh, this is different. This is enough to make me check out the new Alice Cooper album, which I haven't done yet, but uh, it's supposed to be a salute to what. Alice calls that angry hard rock from Detroit in the late seven in late sixties and early seventies. Wayne Kramer for the MC five plays on the record. A lot of Detroit people play on the record. So it's not a recommendation because I've only heard the two, two cuts from it, but it's at least earned a check it out. Jim, Jim, I I got a, got a pro tip for you. I follow uh, Lulu Garcia Navarro on Twitter. And she said that tomorrow on weekend morning edition, She's going to interview Alice. So I don't know if NPR jumped the shark or if he did. But anyway, that's going to happen tomorrow morning. That uh, that album, I've been playing it nonstop for about five days at Detroit Stories. And oh, it okay, cool. The best rock and roll. They had a controversy online you may or may not have seen where um, Gene Simmons of Kiss had said that rock and roll is dead. And Alice came out and said, no, it's not. It's not at all dead. And, um, uh, to prove his point, Alice Cooper, who is now what seventy some odd years old, uh, just blatantly kicks ass on that album. I mean, it's like original songs, but they have that same down and dirty, gritty Detroit rock sound. I mean, it's just uh, one of the best ones he's ever done, and I've been a fan of his since '72. Well, there you there you go. Also. My reaction to that is no one should give a shit what Gene Simmons says. That's just yeah, my pretty, yeah. yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, I'm a Kiss fan, but that sucker, I just, he's done so many things. Well, he's, one know, of those guys, just, he's one of those guys that says shit just to be controversial, to keep his, you know, stay out front. I totally get it, but I'm not yeah. going to listen, but I'm not going to listen to it. And I'm certainly not going to give it any undue merit. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's there's people who actually I've got friends who actually think that it should, they should live by the the books that he wrote about um, how to become you know rich and famous and all this kind of stuff. And it's just all such bullshit. How's that going for him, <laughs> by the way? Um, well, are they at step five? <laughs> they're not. They're not. But they, they're, me, you know, and, me and Jim, me and Jim are almost to step five. We've been we're like four point four point eight step. And we've 4. been 8. and we've been at four point eight since like what, man? Like two thousand? Yeah, two thousand. We're at that phase. Years. We've done everything. We're at that phase where a miracle happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Say hi, Gretch. Hey, look at Gretch. All right. Okay, man. It's my. I got a pick. I yeah. also saw one. The, my last thing, because I don't think I was long-winded enough. My last thing <laughs> is, I saw Alice Cooper once when when Steve Hunter was one of his guitar players, and the other guitar player was Davy Johnstone from the Elton John band. Right. I That's thought that great. was the weirdest kind of uh, musical match, but they they were great. They played their asses off. Hunter and Wagner on Welcome to My Nightmare Tour. Man, they just tore it up. That was so good. You're knocking out my headphones. And we're doing we're doing recommendations, man. Yep. I'm gonna preface mine by saying I had a brief conversation this week with Michael McCurry, which is always very. It, it's like the conversation. 
Well, it's like the conversational equivalent of, of an out-of-body experience <laughs> when you, when you yeah. talk to him because you're never actually sure what you're talking about. And uh, it's all, everybody on the panel and probably by now most people in the, in the audience know uh, he he was a drummer for uh, Jerry Jeff Walker on that great Viva Trilingua uh, album, but that's not my recommendation. It got me to uh, remembering that sort of cosmic cowboy redneck rock uh somebody wrote a book about that i, I don't know who it was the improbable rise of jan reed jan okay. reed jan yeah reed. and it was it was about that uh austin it was about the austin scene in what 72 something like that 73 uh anyway what i always and i always thought this was funny because uh you know, living in Southeast Texas, the uh, the ha the must-have album, if you were into that stuff, wasn't anything about Jerry Jeff Walker. It was uh, Live from Deep in the Heart of Texas, uh, Live from Armadillo World Headquarters album by Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen. And mm -hmm. they do a great mix of original stuff that they wrote and sort of traditional boogie, boogie tunes, you know, uh, that – kind of barrel house piano and uh it live album obviously it, it just that to me sums up kind of that cosmic cowboy redneck rock thing more than anything jerry jeff walker ever did not ripping on jerry jeff walker but just that, that's that's to me has been the most lasting icon of that period you know i mean it, uh it's still it it, it it still must have for any you know cowboy slash hippie uh, that's that's into that kind of stuff and um uh, it that's talking to talking to uh, Gary I decided to revisit some of that and I thought yeah we you know I kind of got Jerry Jeffed out when he died a few months ago and there was you know I was listening <laughs> to a bunch of that stuff and everybody was talking about that so. I pulled up that old Commander Cody album and, and uh you know it's got stuff like Rye going on cell block number nine and uh little Sally Walker and it, you know, ORB things. Anybody that just likes good live music and it's combination sounds like a combination arena concert and a dance hall show, it's a great record. The musicianship on it is just perfect, especially the pedal steel, Bobby Black. Uh, yeah, check it out, man. And probably don't even have to buy it anymore. You can probably get it on YouTube. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Anyway, that's that's my that's my recommendation. You can certainly play it on Spotify. It's on there. Um, that's good, man. All right, Patrick. Hold on to your hats, boys. I got two. <laughs> of course you do. Is, I did. Is, uh, one, is one of them Springsteen? Nope. 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 No Springsteen. Is one of, is, okay. Is it? Is one of them Kiss? Nope. 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 Oh my I, God. Did a, I did. I uh, did. I did a remarkable thing this week. Uh, I spent a couple of days reading a novel. 
I had to refresh my memory about what a novel is. If you don't recall, it's actually a made up story. It's a fictional story. Fiction, that's that word that they use. Yeah, right. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't read a novel all last year, and I, and I almost never do. And I really very, very seldom read genre fiction unless it's uh, Elmore Leonard or James Elroy or uh, Linda Lippman. But a friend of mine, that I don't know in real life, but I know on Facebook and she knows I love dogs. She, she just demanded that I get this uh, crime novel by this guy, Robert Crace, C-R-A-I-S called Suspect. It's about an IED sniffing dog in Afghanistan who is shot and her handler is killed. Uh, and the dog winds up in Southern California and a family donates her for possible training with the LAPD canine squad. Meanwhile, there's this uh, LAPD patrol cop who is just about two shifts away from transferring to SWAT when he and his partner are shot in a robbery that turns out to be an ambush. His partner, who's female, named Stephanie, is killed, and he, Scott, is very, very badly wounded to the extent that he qualifies for a medical but he wants to find Stephanie's killer, so he wants to stay a cop, and he figures he's not going to cut it uh, for the PT requirements for SWAT, but he could still do a canine dog. And so we have this cop who has PTSD, and we have this German shepherd who has PTSD, <laughs> yes. and uh, and off they go. Um, they become very, very fast friends, and, and the book is about trying to crack the case that led to the killing of his partner and it turns out several other people. And what's really, really cool is the dog is a character very much. Uh, the dog's name is Maggie, if I didn't say that before. And she is very much a character. You, you see the world uh, through her nose, I guess, more appropriately than eyes. And, uh, and she's very, very much a character about how she relates, how she senses what's going on in the world, yada, yada, yada. And of course... It, it, it leads to a climactic uh, shootout in a downtown L.A. warehouse with multiple bodies. And Jim will be amused about this. It's all resolved in like 16 weeks. <laughs> we got a police involved, <laughs> we've got a police-involved shooting, and it's all taken care of in six weeks. Um, but I enjoy it very much if you're looking for a piece of escapist fiction. It came out in 2013, and it's... Suspect by Robert Crais, C-R-A-I-S. I had no idea who this guy was. He's written like 20 New York Times bestsellers. I can more heartily en endorse uh, a movie that we saw for the second time this week. One of my sons had not seen it. And it's from 2014. It's called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And the high concept on it was the first Iranian vampire Western. <laughs> it's actually more than that. One, one of actually, my favorite genres. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's the first Iranian vampire skateboard Western. It's got this amazing sound. It's got this amazing uh, soundtrack. It sounds just like Sergio Leone. It's very dark and atmospheric and black, black and whitey. And uh, in terms of its mood and its look, well, it looks like uh, what Robert Rodriguez did with Sin City, but it feels like Let the Right One In, the Scandinavian vampire movie. It's not terribly bloody. 
it's just really, really moody and exceptionally well done. And we watched the whole thing through and I was like, I forgot how good that movie was. So if you haven't seen it, like I said, it came out in 2014. A girl walks a home alone at night. Nice. And the, po the poster looks like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, who doesn't like you said it's Iranian? Yeah. It's shot in L it's who, shot in who, LA. Right. But who doesn't like an Iranian cowboy vampire skateboard movie? <laughs> I don't know. Right. It's just kind of played out that genre. It seems yeah. you, you think they've you think they've overdone it? Well, yeah. no, I th I think that, that that sounds like probably that was the start of the that, that movie was the start of the genre, but there's been so that many was, in the past couple that of years. That was that was that was the big bang. That was the big yeah, bang for exactly, sure. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But yeah. it's tired. It's tired now, but you're going back to the roots of the if you don't Iranian like Iranian cowboy vampire yeah. skateboard movies. If, if you don't like, if you don't like that, you don't have blood in your veins, which means you're a vampire. Would so, you, you vampire? <laughs> oh yeah, well. yeah. You know, man, we ought to put a we ought to put a damn disclaimer on these on these shows. Your IQ could actually drop. This. In fact, we guarantee it. It's a great movie. It's a terrific I I, movie. I don't. I don't doubt. I don't doubt that it is, man. <laughs> but but only you would come up with anything, a, a genre that is sort of that. I mean, that's not just a niche genre. That's niche. <laughs> niche. <laughs> you know, it's a vampire movie. It's a vampire movie. It's a cowboy movie. Skateboard movie. Iranian cowboy, right? Because let me so, let me tell you, when I think vampire movie, I immediately think skateboarder, and I really think that <laughs> in Southern California, you know, where it's like cloudy and there's not a lot of sun. <laughs> you know? Anyway, all right, go ahead. Sorry, man. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Uh, I got, I, I got, uh, I got my two in. You're up, Buff. Your volume's off. Damn, no wonder nobody was paying me any attention. I kept saying, I got to say this. I got to say that my thing was on mute. I, uh, I got a text message from a guy I've been waiting to hear from that's coming by to make a deal with me um, to buy some stuff that I've got. And uh, yeah, I told I him, I said, I can't do it till after my radio show. So he texts me, I'm on my way. And I'm like, all right, we'll just stand outside. And don't make any noise because it's serious business, right? Here. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I was like, well, you know, I can't do it till I finish. So there you go. Uh, I don't know. People just never pay attention to do, my. Do you have ideas. recommendations? Or are we moving on to the main thrust? I already, I already uh, did, you know, I did mine first. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, yeah okay. So we're moving on. We're going to play a song right now for the sec first half of the program uh, and then come right back. So what I'm going to play is brand new. Uh, I don't think it's even come out yet, but it's getting ready to come out. Uh, it's an album. The album's called Leftover Feelings and it teams John Hyatt with the Jerry Douglas band and uh, it's so good and the first song that I really loved it um, and it's got Jerry just shining as usual on the dobro. It's a song called Mississippi Phone Booth. <laughs> kind of a cool song. Uh, so we're going to play that. 
John Hyatt with the Jerry Douglas Band on the Kudzu Radio Hour. We'll be right back right after this song. Just like that, that's uh, John Hyatt and the Jerry Douglas Band from the album Leftover Feelings. Man, Miss... hot dobro part. Yeah, yeah. Mississippi <laughs> phone booth. Yeah, Jerry is some kind of player, man. Uh, seen him live several times. They used to have a little thing called the Acoustic Giants. And it was Jerry Douglas and Bela Fleck and John Cowan and uh, a couple of others. Um, uh, came to Greenville. It was, I saw them a couple of times. It was really good. So anyway, so the subject for today is um, bands or artists that you should like, but you just just don't. 
Yeah, and I'll, I'm gonna make a slight amendment on that. It doesn't have to be bands that you dislike, but could could be bands that you should like more than you do. You don't have yeah. to actually dislike them. It's just you know, somebody well, who's yeah, yeah. who's material and their and their genre and all that stuff. It, it 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 should be something that you're a huge fan of, and you, you're just not. Well, so, you go ahead, Billy. You take it. Take All it, right, bro. and uh, um, I don't know if I have five. I have I have three or four problems. It doesn't um, matter. Well, I'm no gonna rules. I'm gonna start and uh, yeah, and and I, I really uh, th this this pick for me works on so many levels, man. First, because they are a band that, given what they are and the quality of the songwriting and musicianship and the and and the records that they make and and all that i i should just love this band and uh and i and i and i don't uh they're they're not i don't dislike them but they're not uh you know that i everything everything being what it is i should like them more and i i this one works on a second level because i i know it i know it makes pat's blood pressure go up it's uh the drive-by truckers and uh damn it damn it what you know and 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 theoretically and on paper i should absolutely love that man first of all being from the south understand all the stuff that they write about so when they're you know when, when they're doing quirky little things man and i hear it i'm like yeah totally get it uh man the songwriting has always been really good. They're, they're great writers, great players, good mix between rock and country and just balls out punk. Uh, spread the vocals around so it, it doesn't get it doesn't you know it it, it doesn't burn too deep into into tedium in uh, in one direction. But I just man, I don't know. I just. I don't dislike them. I just, I, I should like them in theory and on paper. I should like them more than, uh, more than I do. And since, since I'm picking, uh, first, the, my first pick was, uh, a band from the South and this next band is too. And this one's going to get on Jim's nerves. Uh, band from Athens, REM. I, I should like them more than I do. They had that, they had that tone that I like, man, the birds and petty and lots of rhythm parts, great harmony, the songwriting. It's just, it's amazing. And, and, and they make great records and they write good songs and they play well, they produce well. And, and, they, and there's some stuff there's that I really, really like, but I can't really call myself an REM fan. Uh, I don't, I'm trying to remember if I've ever even owned one of their albums. And I don't, I don't think that I have, uh, for, for that kind of, for that kind of, uh, what jangly, that kind of jangly pop rock thing, not the birds, not, uh, not Tom Petty. Uh, I like stuff like, uh, like the gin blossoms who I think were probably very influenced by REM. You hear that in the, in the guitars, the guitar work, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I I should like them more than I do. You're the only person alive on planet Earth who likes the Gin Blossoms more than REM. 
No, I doubt that. I doubt that. I, I mean, I, you know, I'm an REM super fan and I, I'm very used to people just not liking REM. I mean, there's some people don't get them. I mean, Bob Criscow never really got REM either. Um, you know, he, he liked them. He recognized they were good, but they didn't, they didn't do it for him. And that's cool. That's cool. I was just, but you know, I'm a, I, that's, that's, I'm past getting offended at people not liking what I like. I mean, it's, you know, listen to what I'm you not, like, man. I'm, I'm, I'm picking, I'm picking, I mostly have picked groups that had moments that I was in love with, but, right. But what, but that didn't, you know, as opposed to like Petty and the Birds and the Stones, where it was like, yeah, I love this thing left to right, front to back, top to bottom. Uh, I like their crap. I like their great stuff. I like their noise. I, you know, uh, I'm picking, I'm picking groups that they have more than one thing that I really, really like. But as a whole, eh, man, I keep taking leave it. And uh, and now I'm going to get on both of y'all's feet at the same time. <laughs> uh, Paul Westerberg in the replacement. God, oh, I knew some fights were going to break out here today. And here's the thing, man. <sighs> Westerberg is a fucking genius, man. I mean, I, he's brilliant, and I would never argue that. And they have some songs that I'm just like, oh, God, how did they do this? This is amazing. But I'm, you know, but I'm, I wouldn't consider myself actually a fan of, of the band. Uh, I, I really like uh, the, the things that, there's a, that I like. I really, really like. But that doesn't outweigh the mass actor for me, you know. Uh, just, um, I like his, I like his guitar playing. I love his writing, his singing. Love his attitude. <laughs> you know <laughs> who who doesn't who doesn't love an attitude of a guy? What's that like? Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> shut the fuck up! <laughs> I mean that, but uh. But yeah, to, uh, top to bottom, front to back, left to right. Oh, man, I'm not. I'm not a fan. I, I like some of their stuff, and that was what I picked more. I didn't. I didn't pick bands that I actually dislike. I picked bands who had right. some stuff that I really do like. But on the whole, man, I, I can't call myself a fan of the group. Um, yeah, well, that's a, that's a lot more interesting discussion. Is bands that you 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 have some stuff that you like, but you can't really get into them, or bands that you. Sh by all rights, you should like, but for some reason, don't. If we just wanted to talk about bands we don't like, you know, <laughs> oh, I could just yeah, talk man. about Journey all day. But right, you know. and I and 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 we could agree right there, and we, <laughs> you know, but uh, and right, or or almost any of those seventy super bands, man. Hmm. You know, uh, my third one, and this was actually uh, this was actually Pam, one of Pam's something Pam pick. Uh, I agree with her, but it was her pick. The Dixie Chicks. I I should absolutely like what they are, man. The songwriting's good. The vocals are good. The musicianship is great. It's a great mix between uh, country, rock, and bluegrass. They, the, the, you know, it's got throwbacks to uh, 70s, you know, that kind of 70s rock. And I'm thinking specifically of Stevie Nicks. They, they you know, they covered one of her tunes, but it, it they they get all that and, and and they nail it and it's great and I should really like them, 
and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't dislike them. And they have some songs that I really like, but, uh, but no, man, I, I, I can't count myself. I can't count myself a fan of their work. And, uh, you know, being in the alt country vein or whatever in the hell you call what we do, uh, this next band, I like I like the guys that came from the punk side that approach country and all country from the punk side uh, a little bit more. And this is the next, but this next band is one that, by all by all rights, in theory and on paper, I should have really liked them, and I just never did. The Long Riders, uh, I know. <laughs> No, just keep going. I'm sorry. Well, just, I, I don't know, man. I was expecting it to be grittier or harder or more or in, in your face. Or, and I just, I never got that, man. I, I, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm prepared now to have another beer and fist fight all y'all. No, I always, no, I always found no. them kind of generic sounding. It was like they took five things of the top bands that, that did that alt country punk thing and they were like oh well let's pick this part and this part and this part and that part and this part and put it all together and then for a for a underground indie alt country punk cow punk jesus god they sounded fucking generic man of all the bands that you could have picked, you picked one that was on my list. Was it, was the long riders were on my list for just well, about the exact same reasons that they're well, on your list. And you know, that's not really the surprising. I mean, the genre, the genres that we like are a lot, are a lot the same, you know? So, uh, yeah, they were, they were one of those groups, man, that everybody kept telling me, man, stuff you do, you got to check out the long riders. You got to check out the long riders. And I finally did. And I was like, Jesus, man. Really, you made me sit and listen to this. You know, I mean, I, I thought I thought Gary Stewart was more of a punk rocker than those guys, man. And it just, I should have liked that. And um, my fifth one, this is a country guy, and he's actually quite good, and his songs are good, and. Uh, and he sounds a lot like a cross between Merle Haggard and White Yoakum, which is why I think it leaves me not cold, but lukewarm at best. Uh, what's the uh, Simpsons? Stur uh, Sturgill Simpsons. Yeah. Gr good songs, good band, good production, good records. No knock on any of it. Uh, you, uh, you remember Andy Smith? Uh, Jim, the, oh, one, yeah. of the one of the pastel brothers. Sure, absolutely. Uh, he's he sent me some links. He said, "Man, you got to check this guy out. And tell me what you think." And he didn't say you'd like it or anything. He said, "Just check this out and give me your opinion." I listened to all of it, and I was like, "You know, man, it, it, it's solid stuff, man. It's not bad. Songs are good. Got to sing. Band is great. Uh, I can listen to it. It, it, it you know, I, I, I don't have an issue with any of it." I, it doesn't set me on fire. There's nothing in it that, that speaks to me. And he and he wrote back, he said, yeah, that was kind of my feeling. I, I think he's trying a little too hard to be Dwight Yoakam and or a cross between Dwight Yoakam and maybe Waylon Jennings. And uh, it, that, that kind of 
detracts. This was his opinion, not mine. Kind of detracts from what he's doing. I just it didn't speak to me very much, man. And so, uh, not a knock on, on him or his talent or or any of the bands I mentioned, man. I mean, a great band. Just everything being equal, theoretically and on paper, I should have liked all of that. I mean, it should have been the kind of stuff that I was like, man, you get, yeah, I should have been a super fan. And uh, and just what, and those are my five. Well, all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I got, I got on three different times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I left Jason Isabel off the list because I had the drive-by truckers on the list. If if this list would have had to had six, Jason Isabel would have been there. Don't, <laughs> don't go anywhere, Billy. I got something <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. Let, let's let Pat go next. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. In rebuttal. Mm. In, right. In rebuttal. <laughs> Today, I settle all the family business. <laughs> the Billy Eli band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, right. Yeah. But seriously, folks, but seriously, the first one that came to mind, and I've been thinking about this all week, and I knew it was going to get ugly, and I'm enjoying this very much. The first one I thought of was uh, somebody whose writerly sensibility is very noirish. Uh, very literate, more importantly, very sarcastic. But uh, when you get past the more obvious cuts, it just doesn't do anything for me. And that's Warren Zevon. Dude. Yeah. Watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, no, as I said, no. in rebuttal. You know what, man? I, and, and I'm a huge Zevon fan, and I think all of y'all already know that. But, uh, no, man, you, you have a point. I mean, that's a point that I was making about those. It's not that they're bad. It's just when you get past their highlight things, man, it, it didn't speak to me the way it should have given right. what it was. Right. You know? I've got I've got like uh, I've got that two disc thing that Rhino put out just a few years before he died. And by the way, he died of mesothelioma, which is the worst way to die. But I love Carmelita. I love Roland, the headless Thompson gunner. Yeah. Sure, uh, you know, Werewolves is kind of a novelty song, but it's fun. And there's just a few. And, of course, he wrecked his career drinking too much and made a bunch of crummy records. But then he had a marvelous third act before he got sick. But aside from the songs that everybody knows, eh. And uh, when he was in his third act, uh, I was still in touch with some of my college friends then, not anymore. And, and people were just, like, dumbfounded that I wasn't the world's biggest Zevon fan because he was a smart ass and well, I very, was very low. Say, man he was sarcastic he was a smart ass he's everything you are man. yeah you yeah. you would you would absolutely and and yeah that's the kind of thing if somebody would have said to me hey this felt like Zevon I would say he has to man how right, could he right, not right, like right, right 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 I mean have you met have you met Patrick <laughs> you know? I uh I have tried and I just don't quite get it. And uh, I guess that's to my de detriment I'll, along those lines, just like you were saying, Billy, a band, I like some of their stuff on the very top shelf and then eh, not so much. I've never owned any of their records. XTC. Uh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and, you stole, and you stole one from Jim. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, sorry, Jim. Sorry. That's yeah, okay. You, you, sorry. you can see the way we all think about this yeah. anyway, man. <laughs> I mean, the mayor of Simpleton is cool. Uh, Dear God is like the angriest atheist song I've ever heard. Right. Andy Partridge is a weird, weird, mentally troubled dude. It goes without saying. Maybe it's just and, and, and again, we should all relate to that. Right. And maybe, maybe it's maybe it's just because they're a little a little too beetly for me. Um, they're a little sort of <laughs> slavish in their devotion. But uh, you know, uh, this friend of mine a couple of years ago was like, "Hey, how come you haven't mentioned how much you love skylarking?" And I was like, "Because I don't." <laughs> right. Yeah. It's uh, it's a great record and a and a great body of work by and large, by a band that just leaves me cold. Speaking of hurting people's feelings, David Bowie. Is Talking to you, Buff. Yep, David Bowie. I think yeah. I'm going to have to kill you. Yeah, I went, <laughs> I, I went through a phase. I had a I had a 90-minute cassette with Changes 1 and Changes 2, and I liked those songs very much, and I listened to them quite a lot on my Cyride bus at Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa. Uh, but uh, his, his songs never really completely emotionate, uh, emotionally resonated with me the way that <clears throat> some replacement songs do. They just don't, <laughs> they, they just don't make oh me, they, they don't make me feel. They're very, very tuneful but I just don't feel it in my heart. Also, right. they, they don't, they don't speak to you. Right. They, All, and also, also he, you know, he paid a little bit too much attention to what he was wearing, which I immediately find suspect because as you can see from this hoodie that I haven't changed in about four weeks, I don't pay a lot of attention to what I'm wearing. I, you know um, what? I, I'm going to say this. I, I could, I could absolutely agree with the case that you're making uh, about Bowie and, and, uh, and there certainly were phases where he did stuff that left me cold. The, 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 the thing that I could say in defense of, not that it needs any defense, but somebody that's a hardcore fan of his, he is one of the very few artists that really and truly did reinvent himself about every four or five years. Yep. And, every, and every reinvention was – whether you like the previous or the next one or whatever, they all hit a certain level of yeah, it worked. And uh, sure. and and so he's one of those guys that I can look at periods of his stuff, man, like spiders from Mars, and I'm like, yeah, meh, no thanks. And yeah. then, but again, then the changes period, I'm like, oh hell yeah, like all that, you know. I mean, it it it, it depends on which. It, it depends on which which David Bowie. Uh, yeah, right. Was it, it was it yeah. was it Ziggy or was it Scary Monsters or was exactly, it exa and, exactly? And, and also, man. he was working to make meaningful art up to the very end of his life. I well, certainly yeah. respect that. Yeah. In his in his meaningful art, you mentioned the thing about what he was wearing. See, I think that for him, the, the fashion was a lot of it. It was not just it. It, it he wasn't just like dressing up and i'm not ripping on kiss but i mean he wasn't painting his face and spitting blood i mean it, all of this right. weird ass fashion costume look thing all tied into sort of a musical statement he was he was making and it, 
it's hard to tease those things apart, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, the, uh, and the, you, that's I can make less of a case for that than I could about the different phases of his career where he was reinvented himself because it's like you said just now it that depends on which david bowie you're looking at well i i'll, I'll just say uh it's one of my top two or three all-time favorite artists but that being said even for me you know there was a phase or two that i wasn't crazy but i wasn't crazy about the thin white duke at first when that he, was, uh, that when was he decided a, to get weird soul train and all that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the David Live, that, that the dance. David Live record. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. I, I was more into um, <laughs> early stuff, <laughs> and then the, the Scary Monsters and Super Creeps is one of my favorite albums. And even like say all the way up to uh, Black Star and, and all, it was just <coughs> until the day he died, he was doing stuff just pretty admirable. But yeah, but also hey. I respect. Same way Jim is, it's like. Uh, it no longer offends me that somebody doesn't like yeah. the stuff I like. It's just everybody's got different opinions, you know. So that's what makes well, me and, and some stuff just doesn't speak to you, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's you know, some some things are just. And I've known Todd Runger and super fans. Hell, I was married to one for a couple minutes, and uh, the "Hello, It's Me" song. God, they. You got to listen to it, man. What do you think? I was like, yeah, it's okay. No, I really listened to it. I, and I was like, yeah, I got it. I, you know, I mean, it's not, it, it, it's not necessarily deep or anything. Yeah, that's the greatest song ever. No, man. I mean, you know, he, he used some chord changes. He's got some adjectives and stuff in there, man. Yeah. But uh, it just, it wasn't ever going to speak to me the way it did. You know, my first ex-wife who had every goddamn thing he'd ever recorded, even with the Naz and Utopia and all that stuff, and, and played that shit constantly. And it was like almost biblical to her, you know, and and uh, just, yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, he's, he, we think, yeah, it's fine. you know. Well, you know. One of the true musical geniuses <laughs> yeah, of our time. I knew that. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I believe uh, I believe I believe the junior senator from the great state of Texas still has the floor, Mr. President. Am I am I correct in that assumption? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You might take it away from me after that Bowie thing. <laughs> no, I'm not done. I mean, a song like Major Tom or basically anything that Bowie just doesn't emotionally resonate with me, like uh, like a drive-by trucker song, like. Uh, loaded gun in the closet, which could be a Cormac McCarthy short story. So you just compared David Bowie to the drive by truckers. I think I'm going to commit suicide. What's the opposite of compared? I discompared. Discompared. I like that. Discompared. Yeah. Yeah. We've hit a a new low even for us. That's pretty good. somewhat, Somewhat related to Bowie. I also went through a phase with these cats but they just don't do anything for yes. me anymore with the exception of one album roxy music oh my um yeah yeah what's the I, one I, album avalon 
Avalon, of course, yeah, because in that's college, the only if one you, I like to. If you if you put if you put on Avalon, you knew you were going to get laid that night. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> even if you didn't have a girl in your apartment, you knew you were going to get laid. More than this, baby, right here. I mean, love is the drug is great, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, the the, uh, the way they looked was just absolutely ridiculous. But everybody was doing that back at the time. Man, everybody looked ridiculous. Yeah. You should try close. You should try closing your eyes when you listen to music. Just Brian, to, just to suggest uh, Brian, Brian, <laughs> Brian Ferry with that look that is both debonair and decadent. And yeah, Avalon is the only record of theirs that I listen to uh, much at all anymore. And uh, just a couple of months ago, they did a they did a live thing that was on VHS, and I guess there's an audio recording of it as well. But the two songs on that recording that are the best on the whole thing are covers. One is uh, Like a Hurricane that goes on for like 10 minutes, and it just builds and swells and soars, and it's really, really great. And the other one is John Lund's Jealous, Jealous Guy. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Both from the high road, yeah. Great I stuff. uh I that's right the high road that's what that record was called yeah. that's right mm -hmm. that's right I just asked Alexa to play it hey uh Michael Buffalo Smith Alexa play like a hurricane <laughs> by Roxy Music um I don't know that you can I, command mine I guess I'm not sure I ever really loved them but now I definitely don't and I'm 90 percent done with them you will be relieved to know that the list is my this is my last selection and with it i'm going to kill one of my idols the first two bruce springsteen albums oh no! yeah they just don't work they just don't work the readings didn't work yeah god let me look for a sharp object here i gotta commit suicide <laughs> And you have put me in the bizarre position of having to defend this. That is is one of the greatest I, albums ever. Let me make my case. Let me okay, make my ahead. case. It's way, 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 too wordy. Way too wordy. Way too wordy. It was very, very young. Uh, he never you really are, took drugs, and he's not much of a drinker. What, Jim? How you're did one, he come up with those words? You're one tenth of the way there. Springsteen's done twenty albums, and you've you've got two on your list, so you're one tenth of the way there. Uh, no, stop right there before I get mad at you, and you haven't even <laughs> gone yet. <laughs> and also, the the band sound isn't there because the the E Street band, as we know it, wasn't there on those first two records. You know, what I really like about those first two albums, and this is in retrospect, you get to you can hear what it's gonna be, <laughs> and that's <laughs> I don't, I do not. You can't, you can't. There, there is no bridge from those two albums to Born to Run for me. For you. No, for you, yeah. no, for, for, for you, for no. Well, that's no. you, man. <laughs> All right, uh, no, man, those were those were good. Those were good picks, man. You now, now, that. now, yeah. when when I see those, some of those songs, I mean, obviously they're not terrible records. They have good songs, and when I when I hear him live do "Growing Up" or something like that, yeah, yeah sure. But I never, I mean never go back and listen to those well, two you, you, you know you wow. know the spirit of what i was trying to ask because like jim said man I, I wasn't talking about bands you just don't like i mean i, right, I was yeah. talking about 
these are bands who, the, the, you know, I like some of their stuff. I respect what they're doing. I should be a bigger fan than I am. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, okay, well. let's hear gems, man, because we, because we, we poached. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's... In, re in in rebuttal. Uh, that wraps. You're gonna you're gonna name Journey five times. No, <laughs> wait a minute. No. I'm gonna do mine because I'm gonna save Jim okay. for last. All right. Okay. Cool. All right. Hey, See, mine's, I, mine's gonna go my, fast because my guess is you're not gonna take any of mine. But I, no, I could be I'm surprised. Sure I didn't see either XTC or the Long Riders coming. No, I, no, no. Mine, mine. A lot of mine are like stadium type things. Uh, the first one is Rush. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah loves rush i it uh i, I don't Eddie <laughs> Lee's voice and, and, and gets on what? my it, nerves very anybody bad anybody that knows me would never ever think i would like them <laughs> yeah it's just it just uh almost <laughs> talk about these <laughs> billy billy's gone his whole life without ever hearing hey billy let's go see rush right <laughs> or hey yeah. man have you heard that new rush <laughs> uh, yeah hey, that new rush song that sounds like all the old rush songs um yeah, to me, anything named Rush sucks. Rush Lumball, Rush the Band. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm talking ill of the dead. I shouldn't do that. Uh, Fat man talking on the radio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, speaking of the bottle low. rockets. Speaking it's, of the uh, bottle rockets. Another one that, you know, probably there are people who just, you know, if they, if they could see me as I say this, would probably shoot an arrow right into my brain. Uh, Led Zeppelin. Really? Never gave, yeah, I, never I, cared I, I, for Led Zeppelin. I, I, can, I mean, I, I can, like no, Black man, Dog. I, I can see that. I could, I could have put them on my list, man. I um, like Black Dog. Plant's voice used to, as when I was a teenager, I was like, I cannot stand that high pitched and that uh, androgynous way he acted on stage. That was uh, probably a lot of your issue with Rush, man, was that damn high screech. Yeah, that is. Indeed, it's like man. I'm more of a Johnny Cash baritone. Yeah, yeah, guy. that that, right. that high that high tuner screech. Oh, yeah, yeah. And was that way was uh Steve Perry from Journey too? Same thing. Nah, you're uh, fixing to piss Jim off because he don't want anybody to insult Journey but him. Yeah, well <laughs> Rush and Zeppelin, uh those are yeah. Okay, and my third one has been mentioned earlier, and I I have actually jammed with him, talked to him, everything else. Is Jason Isbell? <laughs> when he was with the Drive by Truckers, I loved it, but his solo thing that everybody thinks is so great, I think it sucks. I don't like it. I don't listen to that. That it's just you like you don't like the four hundred unit. Oh yeah, hell yeah! But I'm talking about this his solo, the stuff that sold a blue million copies. It's not the 400 unit. It's just uh -huh. Jason Isbell. The 400 unit unit had, had a you know those guys. I saw them several times down in Alabama, and it you know they were damn on the verge of sounding kind of punk. You know they were good, and but he just uh, he really fucked up when he fell in love and quit drinking. Um, that's his main problem. Yeah. Got yeah. Drugs and alcohol, he got yeah. all yeah. Get, How dare he be happy? <laughs> fuck y'all up. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. How dare he be happy? Uh, Jason, I'm sorry, but uh, another Jason has taken your place in my mind. 
and that's Ringenberg. Uh, I am, I like him. I'm going to be talking to him next week. Yay. So anyway, um, so my next one, oh God, it's another one of those bands. I call them to me, they're faceless bands, but they sell a blue million records and have all these fans, REO Speedwagon. You know, it's just. I don't think anybody on really this panel is going to argue with you at all. Should be a fan. Every, all my friends, uh, you know, not you guys, but yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna wave you on through for that one. You go and ahead I have and take to say, that. And I and yeah. I have still never figured out how I got with the goddamn custom shop Les Paul, and <laughs> and a custom built Marshall stack gets no tone at all. No tone. <laughs> and and again, not custom shop. Those were real fifty-eight and fifty-nine sunbursts that he played. My God! And he, My and he, God! He fucked them up. How do you make one of those sound bad? <laughs> I don't know, but that that uh, that stuff. I had a friend that played that riding the storm out shit on the on the eight track player all the time, and I'm like, can we please take that off and put something else on? <clears throat> I mean, I just cannot stand it. And he goes, Well, yeah, I've got a rush tape here. <laughs> um, so. Anyway, that word brings 70s. me up to my number one. And this is a pet peeve of mine because um, a couple of my very best friends are just huge fans of the band Boston. And I'm not. Oh, yeah. I don't know anybody. <laughs> God, I sure do. I, I, my Please. friends, they, are, they you know, most of my friends around here, you know, like I said, uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, putting them down because. It's just their taste or, or lack of taste or whatever, but they're um, kind of like why you don't like away. Jason Isbell. Yeah, same way, same <laughs> way, same exact, same exact thing. You know, when Jason Isbell in Boston, they're in this, you know, same, right. same kind of music. Right there, they're right there together, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Marilyn Manson, who was going to be on my list. Marilyn was on my list, and I said, wait, I don't even, I, I even want to say I like anything about that band. <laughs> There's nothing I like about that band. Um, so well, I anyway. agree with I agree with all your lists, sir, Bob. Well, thank you, thank you. Well, uh, let's see how we do here with uh, good list in rebuttal. List. Can I just can I can I ask a question that's vaguely off topic, but not really? Sure. Thunder Road. Yeah. No. Um, I uh, I don't know anything really about the tragically hip. And they're they were so very popular in Canada. Do you guys know that much about them? No, no. I know they were I, very popular in Canada. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the, I, heard I know they were. were a, I know they Canada. were a band. Is that yeah. the one where the the front man died? Yeah, he cancer? had a brain he had a brain yeah. cancer thing. Um, but they were just huge. I mean, we've heard of Midnight Oil and ACDC, and not from Australia. Uh, but they're not so. from Canada. I, I know. And, I know. And I know was country Dick Montana, who also died. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but you know, we, we tend to be provincial because America more or less invented rock and roll. And it, it, I, I feel bad. There's there's an XD or uh, there's an XTC documentary. There's a tragically hit documentary about their last tour on Netflix. If you don't want to check it out, maybe we can have a discussion about that sometime. Billy, don't make us do that. <laughs> anyway anyway it's jim's turn okay just a just a couple of just a couple of uh uh comments 
I, you know, this is a great topic because it makes me, it, you know, at least it gets my synapses firing because when, when Pat was talking about Bowie and the problem being that he, it, he didn't find it emotion, him emotionally resonant, the first thing I thought to myself is, you know, I don't necessarily have to find a band emotionally resonant to really like him. For example, I said to myself, Roxy Music. <laughs> who I love. Uh, and, and I consider Avalon, you know, it's great for what it is, but nowhere near their best work. Um, but anyway, uh, so I, th I thought that was interesting, got me thinking. And, you know, Jason Isbell, uh, I've seen him live a couple of times and he, for me, he vacillates between really a really good show and kind of bloodless. And um, so do his records to me. Um, I mean, I continue to buy them and see him, but it's, you know, I get why someone would list it. And like I said, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm still somewhat evangelical about music that I like. I like to get people that I know to listen to things that I think they will like. But if they don't, I'm not really, you know, that upset anymore. It just, it's life's too short. Listen to what you like. And for some, for some people, you know, art is so subjective. Things aren't going to resonate with you, you know? And, you know, if, if, if Bowie doesn't resonate with someone, I just kind of you know, feel sorry for him. And that's, that's quite a, that's quite a preamble. That's quite a preamble. Now get to the point. <laughs> now, what, when Billy first talked about this topic, the first band that came to mind is not a, is a band that once upon a time I tried to like, um, nothing in my record collection or my taste would, would dictate that I would like this band. But I thought, they were really cool to their fans and they did some cool things. And I said, you know, maybe I'm writing them off. Maybe I should try to like them. And I couldn't. And that band is fish with a pH. Oh God. No, there, no, no, there's, no, there's no. nothing about my tastes or my, my record collection that would, would make you think I like, I would like a jam band like fish, but they were really cool to their fans. They had dedicated fans. And on Halloween, they used to give shows where they'd come out and for their second set, they would do what they call musical costume and they would cover an entire album. And for two years in a row, the records they did were the Velvet Underground's Loaded and the Talking Heads Remain in Light. And I thought, a band that had that kind of influences, you know, maybe, maybe I really should like them. Still and then I listened, band. then I listened to them and geez, no, thank and, you. And, and again, man, great players, man. Great I mean, players. The, the guys can yeah. really play. And, uh, great players. And, but, uh, you know, but yeah, not again. And Buff, I always lump, I always mentally put them together with Widespread Panic and and uh, another jam band and and, too. and Buff we and, and Buff we should have liked those guys, but but not really. No, String Cheese <laughs> yeah. Incident too. I saw and Mo, yeah. all those bands yeah. like uh, I just didn't care for. And Go when the, when Fish had done the the Talking Heads Remain in Light record, which is a freaking brilliant record, I love that record so yeah, much. I, I saw a review and it said, you know, well, this fits their sound and this is kind of the direction they've been going in. And I'm like, really? Huh? Yeah. I no, I could not hear that even, even a little bit. It took the wrong turn so, on that direction. So, so the next two are the two that have been stolen. So I'll go through them quickly. The next one on my list, I've jotted down when we started, because until the show started, I'd forgotten our topic was, uh, XTC. Uh, I, and for me, it's not that they're too beatly. I mean, I, I love the Beatles. I, I just can't get into XTC, you know, and it's quirky English pop. And I think it's too much quirk and not enough hook maybe. 
Um, and I know there are probably XTC folks out there who will say, oh, there's plenty of hooks in XTC music. It just, it just never connected with me. It never resonated with me. Um, it's, uh, it just, it just kind of sits there and seems quirky for quirky's sake and just neither gets me, uh, intellectually or emotionally. So, you know, it's, it's probably my rough. loss, but, right. but not, not, not. A, and when my, my daughters were little, we used to sing one, two, three, four, five sentences working overtime all the time. And I can't remember why, but it kind of became our song. And, uh, so I gave them another try when our kids were young and still, still nothing there. Why do you play them? Dear God, I can't. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, and so, and then the next one I had written down was the long riders and, you know, it, part of it could be due to laziness on my part. Right. Because I mean, they, they were, they were an kind of, you know, that early, you know, alt country before it was alt country, cowpunk, whatever you want to call it back in the eighties. And they also came out of the, you know, the, uh, the scene in LA with the, with, you know, the bangles and, you know, the Paisley underground kind of scene, the three o'clock, well, what they were doing the, those, those was bands, way better, man. but that's, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I bought one of their records. I can't remember which one and listened to it. And I thought, you know what? I, I don't hear anything here that is going to make me listen to them more. Maybe there's a long writer's record out there. I'd love, I don't know. I heard one. It didn't move me. I moved on, uh, right. you know, uh, everything that I thought the long riders were supposed to be the beat farmers were right. So that's a a great point. So, so, you know, in a world with the beat farmers, I didn't have any reason to listen to the long riders. Right. Right. The next one is a, is a, is a current artist who got a lot of buzz, who uh, was very big mainstream Grammy winning, big mainstream, but also pitchfork loved her. And I said, I need, and has an Austin connection. So I said, I need to listen to Casey Musgraves. Oh my. And not and so much. No, not, no, yeah. no, no, I'm with, I'm with Jim on that, man. And again, in theory and on paper, I should really like that, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I read all, everything I read about her said, I thought this is going to be right up my alley. Pitchfork even called the uh, golden hour, one of the best records of the 2010s. And I, and I just, it just didn't do anything for me. Just didn't we, did not didn't do we, anything Didn't for we me. see her at uh, La Zona Rosa? Casey Chambers. Oh yeah, that's right. She's <laughs> different. She's that's from Australia. A, I like Casey Australian Chambers. Australian girl. Yeah. And, her, bro- and her, her brother's her lead player, right? Yeah. Her brother and her dad have both been her lead players. Uh, They're both yeah. really good. I, I, the guitar work on her records is great, man. Yeah. I, I like that's both a, those players. That Musgraves girl, she had one song that I liked that follow your arrow. I liked that pretty well. Um, but uh, yeah, Casey Chambers, yeah, her, her both both of her guitar players sound a lot like uh, Gurf Morlicks. Remind me, yeah, of Gerf yeah, 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 that's right. Good point. It's really okay, nice to guitar but, but yeah, confusion. Case, Casey Musgraves just 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 didn't do it for me. Maybe. And my, yeah. my my last one, uh, you know. Uh, tell you what it's a band that i admire very very much and a band that i will not run from the room if they're playing but a band that i always felt like i didn't appreciate as much as i should and that is black flag um (laughs) really you know uh you know i i i like early punk rock i'm not i would have i would have thought that you like that just because it was 
such a prototype, man. Yeah, and yeah. and I can appreciate I can appreciate them for that. I could, you know, they were pioneers on the DIY scene, on the you know how to how to how to do a tour with just you know uh, a, an address book and, <laughs> and a phone and you know and and making their own making their own road and finding places to play and you know and good songs and certainly tons of energy. I, I mean, West Coast hardcore was never my thing, except X. I freaking love X, um, but that they were a little bit different trip. That's but, that's um, not that's not hardcore. That's no, not hardcore. I consider I consider them a country band. <laughs> well, I mean, the, you know, X X was a X was a I'm West not, Coast not, punk band. Yeah, I mean, I'm it, not making not a hard, joke. They they had a lot of country right. in their stuff, man. But uh, but you know, I just have to get that disclaimer out there that that X is, is the, is, is a, is a band that I like very, very much, but no, most of the, the West coast hardcore was not, not my thing, but I, I mean, I, 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 everything points to me liking black flag, but I just don't listen to them. Uh, and felt like I never appreciated them as much as I should and always felt guilty about it. But, uh, that's the number, the number five in no particular order on my list. And I would also make an observation. The dead Kennedys were a lot funnier. Oh, there are no questions. They were funnier. Yeah. No, no, no question in in the world that they were funnier. I, there's a lot of adjectives I could use to describe Black Flag, but funny would not be among the first. I don't know, fifty. Right. And, right. I, and right. I have to say, Jim, out of your whole list, that's actually the only one that kind of surprises me. The rest of them, I, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I can see that, but, uh, but yeah, no, nah, man, that does kind of surprise me uh, that, that you know you weren't a black not into them that much yeah i mean i, I, I would call myself a, i would call myself an admirer more than a fan right right no man but again in theory and on paper what they are is exactly the kind of thing that me knowing your taste in music would go oh he'd love that yeah <laughs> so i mean well, it's a, a good list no matter no matter hey look it's a very very good list but i mean a bunch of that stuff is like really hard to listen to i mean Except for Damage. Damage is a good record, but uh, whichever one has TV Party on it, there was a little bit of humor. But give me the candidates. All those SST records sounded like they were made in 15 minutes and cut on a piece of cardboard. <laughs> well, well, hello, well hello. we have our opinions, lost, don't we? I, I lost my audio here. Oh, oh no. I, I, I said on. all those SST. Can you hear? Can you hear Pat when he talks? Yeah. I was just saying okay, all, those SST, all those SST records sounds like they were cut in 15 minutes and 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 then pressed on a piece of cardboard. You know, they're not easy to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh show, man. great list, great list guys. Uh I've got to go back and do the one that I wanted to do this week before Billy suggested this topic. Uh, I want to, I want to do this one here. I think it might be fun for next week. Uh, diamonds in the rough bands or artists that we love that may not have achieved huge success, but deserve to be heard. Hell man. That's everybody. That's everybody. Right. But yeah, narrow it down to five. Seven, that's seven eighths of Jim's record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. That's true. <laughs> well, that's good. That's why that way we can tell people about things that they might not even otherwise know about. And you hell know, man, few, you know, I love working that people indie, don't even know who they are. 
All right. Uh, so we'll do that. We'll do that. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I'm going to play another song. And this is a, I find this fascinating. I've, I've decided that I'm living in an alter, uh, alternate universe. Yeah, me because too. <laughs> Star Child, Paul Stanley from Kiss, has a new album out with a band called Soul Station where they do R&B songs. And Paul, this what we're going to play is Paul and his his band has more members than Tedeschi Trucks, man. It must be like 12 people, but they're good. I mean, you know, he's got the money to pay <laughs> the top flight musicians, but they're doing all these covers. And this one is a Spinner's song from the 70s. Could it be a fallen in love? Oh, it's a great oh, song. It's, it's a, a great, great song. song. Yeah, I can't is. believe Paul Stanley. From he Kiss can't be as is he can't be as good songs, you know. He can't be as good a singer on a song like that as Philippe Wynn. Well, of course not. But but you know he he does a pretty good job. I mean, I know good and well they had to go back and do it, you know, piece by piece because bless his heart, I think his voice is just about gone. Um, <laughs> from all that, you know, years and years and years and years. So that last, that last uh, show they did in Dubai, everybody was talking about how it, uh, uh, how it was obvious that they were singing to a lip syncing to a track, uh, which is pretty weird. Uh, but all that being said, no matter what it is, if it's studio magic or whatever, it's still, it sounds pretty good. I've heard like three tracks now off of the, uh, soul station album and it's, it's just interesting that he would do that so i'm waiting now to see you know when gene simmons puts out a reggae album that would be good no no it wouldn't I'm oh yeah waiting. i'm waiting in line for that one yeah me too <laughs> yeah wait, hey, uh, rock and roll is dead no it's not it's just sleeping <laughs> it's just really really sick it's just really tired <laughs> uh Okay, guys. Thanks a bunch. And all right, man. See you guys next week. I'm that, was gr- that was great. Thanks. I hate all of you. I hate you uh, all. Me too. <laughs>
Well, you talk about a change of pace. <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, the star child, Paul Stanley of KISS, the front man of KISS, and his side project called Paul Stanley's Soul Station, band has more members than Tedeschi Trucks. I mean, it's a huge band, but they got it going on. They're doing uh, lots of old R&B, and that one, of course, you know, if you're like me and you, you were a teenager in the 70s, you remember the spinners doing that. Could I be, could it, could it be I'm falling in love? But Paul Stanley and the gang, they're doing it. Uh, album's coming out real soon. And it's got a lot of uh, R&B stuff. And uh, it's just, it's kind of fun, you know, to think that this uh, guy from Kiss is doing R&B. But, you know, it, you know, nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't. So anyway, that's going to wrap up the program. I want to say thank you to uh, my partners uh, on the broadcast, Billy Eli, up in Massachusetts. And over yonder in Austin, Texas, um, Jim Hemphill and Patrick Beach. Thanks, guys. And thanks to anybody and everybody who's listening to the podcast that supports us uh, by listening. Thank you so much. Please help spread the word Thunderbird and let everybody know that we're doing this every week and they're archived and you can listen to us just talk and talk and talk. <laughs> We try to be interesting, so we will continue to endeavor to bring you uh, quality, quality entertainment. You know, for your for your podcast dollar. Well, wait a minute, you don't pay for it, it's free. To bring you quality programming for free, we know there's a blue million podcasts. So if you're listening to us, thank you. The program is brought to you uh, weekly by um, by the great uh, friends in Georgia, Springer Mountain Farms, Gus Arendale, Susan Wade, and all the gang up there, just wonderful people. And they got the best chicken on the planet. It's uh, fresh chicken raised on family farms with none of the junk that you get from a corporate, uh, corporate raised uh, birds you know so it's healthier it ends up being healthier and it's better for you and it tastes superior springer mountain farms can be found online at springermountain.com springermtn.com read more about the chicken also you can order it and have it delivered to your doorstep in a cooler uh, i've done it i know it's very cool springer mountain farms program is always is brought to you also by the box masters at rockin hip groovy band out of los angeles california uh led by bud thornton and jd andrew uh, a couple of really prolific songwriters multi-instrumentalists uh in fact this latest album those two guys did all the instruments and everything everything played it all uh, Bud, Billy Bob Thornton, Bud, uh, Bud Thornton is a good drummer. He's a great drummer and singer and songwriter and, um, all that. And then JD, uh, plays guitar and bass and keyboards and uh, whatever, kazoo, cowbell, whatever they need. 
So you check out the boss masters. Okay. If you're not familiar, or even if you are familiar with them, go over to theboxmasters.com. Order the latest album, Light Rays. If you don't already have it, get it. Uh, highly recommended. Uh, it sounds really good on vinyl. The warm sound comes through on the vinyl. But I also like the CD and the download. So you can, you know, take your pick. And uh, if you want, you can get them autographed. All kinds of good stuff, man. Theboxmasters.com. Thank you so much again for tuning in. And uh, we appreciate it very much so. I'll say a much belated thank you to Mickey Lee, wherever he is these days, uh, for that great uh, interview that he gave me um, 10 years ago today. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it. And we will see y'all down the road. And I'll, as always, I'll say, uh, please join us next week. Same bat time, same bat channel for the Kudzu Radio Hour. <laughs>